Hey, hey, welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. We have a huge episode for you today. We have the Big Ten Huddle, basketball season preview, full season, every team. We're going to go through every single one. Your team is going to be mentioned. You're going to figure out what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, what are the storylines. You're going to figure everything out about the Big Ten this year. Be in the know. Be aware of what's going on. And with me today, I have Brent, the CEO of Big Banter Sports. Brent, how you doing today? Great, JR. Thanks for having me on. Super excited. I know we had our football season preview a few months ago. Super fun episode, getting everybody in, kind of getting the different perspectives from all the different teams. So excited to kind of replicate that here today for the basketball season. For sure, yeah. The the football episode was great. So if you enjoyed the football episode and you're even marginally a basketball fan, you're going to enjoy this episode as well. It's going to be a longer one. We're looking at maybe an hour and a half, two hours. So this might be one you break up into different parts, uh, but you're still going to like it. You're still going to enjoy it. Uh, please do remember to follow the Big Ten Huddle on all socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of those things. And follow Big Banter Sports as well. BigBanterSports.com is the website. You can find all of our podcasts there. You have a one podcast for all the teams you can figure anything out that you want to know about your team by going to those podcasts and also if you have a rival and you want to figure out how they're feeling think a little bit oh yeah i'm going to give these guys some crap i'm going to go over there do that as well all right go over there give them some crap let them know it's going to be a good time do like and subscribe if you're watching here on youtube if you're listening on podcast give us a rating as well we greatly appreciate it all right we're going to get Brant out of here. We're going to bring in our Penn State crew to go ahead and pre- and preview Penn State. We've got Noah here. He is a part of the Penn State podcast. Noah, you want to introduce yourself and tell people where they can find the podcast at? What's up, guys? Uh, Noah D. Chair. I'm part of the new Penn State podcast we're bringing to the Big Banter Network. Um, still waiting on a name here. Like I'm thinking of some names, maybe incorporating the NIT titles that we have. Um, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, our podcast could be found on basically all designated streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, the Big Banter Network. Any if you can listen to a podcast on a certain network or a certain platform, yeah, our podcast is probably gonna be on there. Name pending though. For sure. Yeah. Just go to Big Banter Sports and look up and exactly. when you find a name that has anything to do with Penn State, it's probably the Penn State Hoops podcast. So Exactly, exactly. There we go. We also have Russ with us from the Boiler Express podcast. Russ is going to plug his podcast a little bit later on when we get into the Purdue preview. But for now, Noah, I want to start with you about this Penn State team. So there, there were a lot of losses, and I'm not just talking about like in the L column. I'm talking about, you know, losses with your coach, losses with some players. I mean, this is a really good team at the end of the year last year. And how, how do you feel like the team is going to deal with some of these losses that they've had this year? It's definitely a different uh, landscape uh, in Penn State basketball, but this is the, what, fourth time in the last five years that I've gone into a season saying that. So, you know, with our third coach in the last four years, in Mike Rhodes coming from VCU, and all the transfers coming in, it's for sure a weird way when you're looking at projecting this team, but Penn State has always been a weird team to project. You know, coming off of last year, going damn near undefeated in um in March with only the two losses being against Purdue in the um Big Ten championship and um against Texas in the in March Madness. Like you there's a lot of success that you think any regular team would be able to catapult off of, but in Penn State's case, it's not true at all. We return zero starters. Um a lot of people transferred out, our coach is gone. So it's going to be interesting to see what this season looks like. Success for the season just means being competitive, honestly, in my eyes. 
Yeah, for sure. I think the addition of Ace Baldwin is really going to help this team as well. He was a super good player for VCU. And, you know, people talk about transitioning over into the Big Ten, making that jump. And it is a hard jump. But I feel like when players are as tough as Ace Baldwin is, I feel like he can make that jump and maybe not right away be comfortable, but eventually get comfortable playing hard and making that transition. Russ, what's your thoughts about this this team coming over uh, from the season they had last year? New coach, Ace Baldwin's there. What are some of your thoughts about this team? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I feel like we've talked about this the last couple of years in college sports as a whole, um, but especially in basketball, there's a lot of teams that you'll see with huge amounts of turnover from year to year. Uh, when a coach leaves, now they can take two or three of their players with them, which Penn State saw that with Shrewsbury leaving and taking one or two commits or players. And then, you know, Rhodes coming in and bringing a couple of guys from VCU with them. So um, it's one of those those teams that it's it's hard to kind of study and, and know what to expect because there's so many different and new pieces. And especially with Penn State, I mean, three guys from last year's roster on the roster this year, not just all your starters, but three guys and a new head coach. Like it's, you know, it's one of those those teams that it's it's going to be hard to study for you guys, for sure. You know, it's, um, you know, your, your non-conference schedule, you guys kind of have an advantage of, you know, what are you going to throw at the team that you're playing? Because you can watch VCU tape, sure, and see maybe what kind of concepts Rhodes ran over there. But outside of that, you don't know how these guys are going to fit into rotation. Who's going to be the starting five? Who's going to be those first, second guys off the bench? So, um, yeah, how, how your guys adapt to the Big Ten is going to be a, a big key in your success or failure this year for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think that uh, Penn State has a good chance to be kind of one of those teams that nobody really sees coming because, like you said, Russ, the, you know, it was VCU basketball last year, but they also have some players and they have other players from all over the place coming in as well. So they're going to look the same. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Right now, the Big Ten Media Days picked Penn State to be 13th. So we'll see kind of how that goes. Uh, but Noah, I want you to make the case for me. How is Penn State going to be a tournament team? team this year look first off you go when you go into the season you now you're looking at what tournament am i thinking the national invitational tournament or am i thinking the ncaa tournament coming off of last year basically it was that stretch of games to at the in march that catapulted them into the um tournament especially that run they went in the big 10 tournament on um, beating indiana northwestern and illinois and taking it to purdue up until literally the last second that got them into the big into the national um tournament but i mean even then i could say they were underseeded last year um i would say this year it's first off don't you can't have any quad four losses and they have a lot of quad four games i assume this year um with that that out of conference schedule it's it's easy up until the espn invitational they're they're not really playing a power five team you know even last year or power six if you talk if you talk about basketball even last year the out of conference had a couple you know Surprise teams. They played Butler at home. You know, even the the road schedule was pretty hard for them. This year, you cannot lose any bad games. And you have to win the games that are considered 50-50. When Michigan comes to play in the Bryce Jordan Center, you better beat them. You know, you have to beat the Nebraskas. You have to beat the Minnesotas and the Michigans of the world. And maybe upset a couple people on the way. And you don't have to play for a berth at the Big Ten tournament, so that has to be their bread and butter. They need to string out a couple wins and have no bad losses in order to to even sniff any sort of tournament talk. And truth be told, I think you're going to have to look at the advanced analytics on this one. Their defense needs to be good enough where people who are picking the selection committee can say, hey, maybe this team could, you know, upset. We'll be in Dayton. Who knows? 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great point is just win the games you're supposed to win this year and maybe you can pull off a couple upsets. Um, Russ, you tell us, are we being a little too high on Penn State here? Is there even a chance for the NCAA tournament or are you like, guys, why are we going to have this conversation? Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because, you know, while having all the new pieces and new faces can be an advantage early in the season, at the same time, you got to come out of the gate ready to play because, like you said, if you aren't ready and you you drop a game or two in your non-conference, it's not going to get easier when you get to Big Ten play. You know, so you can't have those early blemishes, and it's going to be tough with all those new pieces figuring out how they're going to you work together in rotation and how um, how they're going to fit into Micro's scheme. You know, and you've got that ESPN uh, tournament down in uh, Wild World Sports, like the ESPN Events Invitational or something. Yeah. Where you guys play Texas A&M the first game, that's going to be obviously a very tough game. They're a top 15, top 20 team in the country. Uh, but the other teams in there, you know, Iowa State, Boise State, um, ironically enough, VCU is one of the teams in that tournament. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, Coach Rhodes have to face his old team. Uh, but then in conference, you don't get many breaks. I mean, you play Purdue once, but it's at Mackey. Um, you get Illinois just once, uh, luckily, at, at your place. But you know, Michigan State's a double play. Maryland's a double play. Iowa's a double play. Indiana's a double play. So, you know, if you yeah, if you drop some of those non-conference games, it's going to be tough to make up for that uh, come Big Ten play. So, you know, it, it could be rough. You know, I, I, I don't – I'm not going to say, hey, there's no way they make the tournament. But, yeah, I think expectations would be, you know, 12th, 13th, which, you know, a first-year first, first year coach in a team that I think is still – in a program that I think is still moving the right direction – it was just some some dominoes didn't fall great with the guys that you lost to the NBA last year and losing your head coach. It's going to be, you know, maybe similar to what like Purdue's facing in football, right? Like the program's not necessarily in a downturn as a program, but it's it is going to be kind of a step back and then try to, you know, hit hit the hit the ground running next year. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting season for Penn State. The Nittany Lions, we'll see how it goes. All right, guys, we're going to really test your Big Ten knowledge here. We're going to move on to Nebraska. We're going to talk through the Cornhuskers this season, what we can expect, what we can't expect. We do not have a Nebraska podcast yet for hoops, so if you are somebody that you love Nebraska hoops and it's your passion and you want to talk about it and you want to kind of create a community around that, please reach out, let us know, and we would be happy to talk to you about that opportunity. But I want to, I want to get into one one player first. All right. And I think this is the player that everybody in the Big Ten knows. Uh, I, I forget how to say his first name, but Kasai Kasi Tamanaga, right? Uh, the, the Japanese sensation who came into the league last year and really just kind of took everybody away with his shooting. I heard some people call him the Japanese Steph Curry. I don't know what to make of that, but it's like, all right, I'm here for it. Uh, Noah, let's start with you, man. Everyone loves him. Can he carry Nebraska to the tournament berth this year? And, you know, I would not be opposed to calling him the Japanese Steph Curry. He's probably going to be this season one of the best high-volume three-point shooters in the entire country. You know, he just spent this summer, other people were doing uh, their workouts, scrimmaging and whatnot. He just put, spent this summer playing in the FIBA World Cup against some of the best teams in the world. And he still um, carried over that hot streak on the court, shot 60% from twos and nearly 40% from threes throughout his entire um, tenure with the Japanese national team at the FIBA World Cup. I don't know about a tournament berth, though. Nebraska's a very, very tricky team. They're a team that starts terrible. Then all of a sudden, you see them knocking off top 25 teams and going on streaks late in um, um, February and March. They won nine Big Ten games last year. Did anybody pick them to do that? No. However, they still did it. And at the same time, they had an, one of the only two teams in the entire Big Ten with a negative net rating. I don't know. Fred Hoiberg, they should be 
thinking of an NIT berth, if we're really being honest, to keep him around because he's been there a long time with no success. So I think Tamanaga is going to definitely be one of the best, I think, players in the entire nation and probably is going to take one of the biggest leaps in college basketball this year. I don't know if it's going to be enough for a tournament berth. Nebraska's team is good. They bring back a lot of talent, but they do not have the depth nor the size to compete in the Big Ten, let alone the entire nation. For sure. Yeah, Tomodaka averaged 16 points in that FIBA World Cup, so definitely a shooter, definitely a scorer who can make things happen there. Uh, Russ, you agree or disagree that Tomonaga is going to be the key point for this team to, to really make some things happen this year? Oh, without a doubt, he's the he's the biggest key, for sure. You know, he broke into the starting lineup middle of the year last year when he really started getting hot, and uh, JR, we talked about it on uh, last week's episode when we talked about the guard rankings that, mm-hmm. you know, on those top 14 guard rankings that Big Banter put out, Tomonaga actually had the highest offensive rating per Ken Palm of all the guards on that on that list. So, you know, he really is a a big threat and he's their biggest threat scoring wise. So the question is, is now that the whole league is on notice that that's the case, is he going to be able to keep it up and start throughout the year and throughout the Big Ten schedule? Um, You know, Juwan Gary was he was good for them in in the short spurt that he was healthy last year. And he's going to be key because this is a, a league of big guys and he's not, you know, the size of ED or somebody like that. But He's got to be able to get some rebounds and be able to help them out uh, both defensively on the boards and offensively. Um, you know, will Wiltshire come back and and kind of find his groove again? You know, that's part of the reason Tomodaga got in the starting lineup last year was Wiltshire kind of went through a slump there in the middle of the season. Um, you know, and he, they got some transfers as well. Bryce Williams from Charlotte, uh, 6'7 guard, is good length for a guard. Um, Josiah Alec um, out of University of New Mexico, 6'8 power forward. Again, not, not a big size, but – you know, they've got to have those pieces come in and contribute as well if they're going to make a run. I, I think they could be a decent sleeper because um, if you look at their non-con, the only really notable non-con game is Creighton at home, which, yeah, it's a top 10 team, but they beat them at Creighton last year, right? right? So that's obviously a game they can get. And then if you pick the top four teams off the top of your head in the Big Ten this year, what, Purdue, Michigan State, Illinois, and Maryland maybe? All those are single-play opponents for Nebraska. You know, now two of them are home, two of them on the road, but that's what you'd ask for if you're a team that's trying to get from the bottom and, and move their way up is – can those top teams be a team we only play once and we get the home and home with, you know, the lower teams in the conference and that's what they've got in their schedule. So if, yeah, if Tominaga can, can take a step, step forward and those other pieces can contribute, you know, they could sneak in as a, as a 10 or 11 seed. Uh, but, but they need, they need a lot of things to fall into place for sure. Yeah, for sure. Nebraska definitely ended that season last year with Fred Hoidberg coaching his, you know, co- coaching crazy. I mean, he he was doing everything he could to try and get that team to finish out the year. And sometimes in the Big Ten, you know, you, it, with how tough it is and how physical it is, it's really hard to finish out that year. So that was a really good sign for them to see with Fred Hoiberg. And it was a good sign or it was a good reminder for everybody in the Big Ten that like, hey, we never take anybody lightly because, yes, this is the deepest uh, conference in all of college basketball for sure. Uh, maybe we haven't had the winning success that people like, whatever. I don't care. It's still the deepest in college basketball and one where I think just about any team could go to the tournament and get themselves a win against uh, a good amount of the opponent's there so all right we are going to go ahead and well Noah you give me your thoughts on that Creighton game really fast before we get out of here do you think that Nebraska can go in and upset Creighton again in this game I think that they are going to go in and upset them mostly because Creighton does not bring back the offensive firepower they had Kaluma and Nemhart are out for some reason I don't know what Greg McDermott did with them I'm thinking that it's going to be a Nebraska win for them and maybe a Tominaga highlight game in his career there you go. There you go. Let's hope so. I would love to see Tominaga get a highlight game like that and uh, really stick it to the Creighton Blue 
what blue hawks blue jays is it blue, blue, jays? blue jays i think <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know why i thought blue hawks i was like that's not right all right <laughs> let's go on before i mess up some more mascots we're gonna get noah out of here thanks noah for coming on appreciate you man right. go follow him on his penn state podcast when he finds a name <laughs> and we're gonna bring Frank in here to talk through some Purdue basketball while we do, or and Jordan to t- talk about it as well. Russ, you want to go and tell people where they can find Boiler Express at? Yeah, so you can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Um, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're even on Facebook Live, YouTube Live. Uh, we live stream on Twitter or X as well. Um, just search Boiler Express, or if you want to at it's Boiler underscore Express. Um, we're also on Instagram, doing a lot of great stuff over there. Dylan's a great graphics guy. He's posting a lot of good stuff over there and good videos. And so check us out. Yeah. All right. Very good. All right, Frank, let's get your take here. Purdue's projected to be first in the big 10. Zach Eady is projected to be the the tallest guy and the most dominant guy by everybody. So you give me the case here. Why is Purdue going to be first and everybody else? You just play for second place. Cause it's not going to matter. Yeah. I think for the majority of the season last year, Purdue was top three in offensive efficiency and top 15 in defensive efficiency. And I think if we can look past, you know, what happened in the tournament, you know, that's a, a pretty good, we're coming off of a pretty good season for the most part. I think ultimately it comes down to scheduling, and I really think it's going to be a year of Purdue and Michigan State in the Big Ten. And Purdue has the favorable schedule. You know, Michigan State only plays Purdue once, and that's at Mackey, where they historically don't play well. And they only play Indiana once, uh, and that's at Assembly Hall. So I think, you know, there is some schedule uh, disparity right now in the Big Ten, and that's, you know, unfortunately something that just you have to take. Uh, but I think that ultimately it's going to happen <laughs> Purdue and Michigan State, and Purdue has the tiebreaker over Michigan State because we do play them once at Mackey. For sure. Russ, you have anything to add to that? No, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I mean, we talked about Penn State as our first team and only bringing back three players from the whole roster. Well, we bring back pretty much everybody from a team that won the game by three three games, won the conference by three games. So, yeah, it's it's more of just everybody else has got to try to catch us. And we have guys, you know, our second and third leading scorer were freshmen that are only going to take a step forward. So that makes it that much harder for the rest of the league to catch us. All right, Jordan, I'm going to give you a shot here. Resident yeah. Purdue hater, go ahead and tell these guys why they're wrong. Yeah, I'm just sitting there drooling, ready to go, right? So, first off, Russ, let's go back. When we did our little crossover last week, we talked about how great Purdue is. They win the conference. They're just, they're just the, the gold standard of the Big Ten. So, I did some digging. Matt Painter is Mark Turgeon 2.0. You ready for this? We, we actually ran our bag coach out the door. Two conference championships in Purdue's history. Are we going to talk about that? Two conference tournament championships. What? We're Am talking I about wrong? the tournament, the conference tournament. The really? conference tournament. Am I right or wrong? You're right. No one cares about that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I want to find out what Purdue does care about. That's what this whole episode is going to be. So then let's move on. Under Matt Painter, four regular season championships. You all, we're in it every year. We win it or we're going to come in second. Matt Painter's been there, what, 18 years? The gold standard? Is, is this the standard for regular season championships and two conference championships? Is that the gold standard? So let's keep going on. Gene Cady set the gold standard, right? 25 years, 18 appearances in NCAA. I think that's the gold standard for Purdue is just making the NCAA tournament. One Final Four in Purdue's history and one, what is that, uh, Elite Eight? One elite eight, that's the gold standard. That's that's the bar y'all set. So then you talk about this roster you're bringing back. Oh, we didn't lose anybody. First off, you lost two great players. 
Mr. David Jenkins, 3.9 points a game, and Matt Frost, who missed the whole entire season. So let's not forget about them. Shout out to Mr. Frost and Mr. Jenkins. Thank you for your duty at Purdue. But your big returning player that's the most experienced, not even Zach Eady, it's Mason Gillis, right? Right? He's your most experienced player? He's not. He's not. He has not been around the most on your roster because I'm pretty sure he's the only one that has a claim to fame to actually winning a somewhat decent game in the NCAA tournament because Zach Eady, eesh, what has this class really done in the NCAA tournament? Does anybody want to know? Because I know you all know. Y'all are awful quiet. That's a first. I mean, I think I, I think the win over Texas was pretty impressive, honestly. So so the number six seed Texas is Zach Eady's claim to fame. This is why Purdue will once again walk through the Big Ten, probably win the Big Ten regular season. I don't think so personally. That's what you all are saying. But they're going to fizzle out in the NCAA tournament again. But you told me last time you don't care about NCAA championships. You only care about winning the Big Ten. But you've only done that. I, I don't think I ever twice. uttered the words. No, no, we don't no, care no, about no one NCAA said that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that was, that's the you, thing you, we want. Frank, more than Frank right you were not here. Stay in your corner. Oh, Frank. Sorry, sorry. Okay, <laughs> I thought you were talking about tonight. I'm like, telling oh, you, no, no, no. I'm telling you, this is me. I never said that. Now you no, said something about so, a national championship, and I said I don't want to talk about that right now because it's a sore subject. That's obviously yeah, you, something but, we want, but at the same time, the you talk about tournament. Stadium. You talk about tournament success. The last time that Maryland even made the Elite Eight was what over eighteen years ago, right there. And yeah, guys but that yeah, are we had the same, your, your we had right the same number now, of Elite Eight appearances as you all since two thousand. Okay, but there's maybe one guy on your roster that was alive the last time Maryland made an Elite Eight, and you're going to talk about tournament success lately? Like, come on now, one Final Four. That's the gold standard. Purdue's supposed to be this gold standard. Remember, we're new to the Big Ten, right? But, but Jordan, we're, we've made we've made eight tournaments in a row, right? If if you take away the one that didn't happen uh, because of COVID, that we probably wouldn't have made. Uh, you know, we we've we've made eight in a row. So I think when you get there that many times, that becomes your 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 standard. Like no one wants to go there and and lose, and you know, only make it to the Sweet Sixteen, right? Well, no one wants to go and lose in the first game. So I think when you make the tournament that many times, you expect to have a deep run. And that's so, kind of where our bar is set, even though we haven't necessarily gotten there. And like all your points are correct, you know. They're, no, they're yeah, no, not again. I'm just busting all his balls. But but Gary Williams, he set he set the gold standard at Maryland, right? We made the tournament. I think it was like 18 times in a row, something crazy like that. From the time we got out of uh, the death penalty all the way up until basically his retirement, missed two seasons. So he was our Gene Cady, but he actually won a national championship. But our gold standard was the national championship. Mark Turgeon kind of brought us away from that era. And then now Kevin Willard's bring us back to that era. But then we go back to Purdue under Matt Painter. And that's why I feel like you all will do it again in the NCAA tournament. His best win ever is a four seed against Washington in 2009. That's his best ever highest seeded win. Yeah. Tennessee Te- was a higher seed than that. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. That's a good you're right. Number two seed, Tennessee. I always forget about them because they're just like you all. They fade out in March also. So, yes, I take that back. So, Tennessee and Washington, 2009 and 2019, that's his claim to fame. What his claim to fame should be is, 11 seed VCU, 8 seed Cincinnati, 12 seed Little Rock, 13 seed North Texas, 15 seed St. Peter's, 16 Fairly Dixon. Matt Painter is a born loser. Embrace it. Do what we do with Mark Turgeon. Run him out the door. You can get someone better. Purdue should have a national championship. They don't. You'll have settled for mediocrity, and that's what's going to happen again this year. Well, I'm just I looking mean, out for Purdue, man. Y'all are my biggest fans. Yeah, well, so like <laughs> to, to go back to the Texas win for one second, I mean, I know you referred to seeds, but like that was a stacked Big 12 conference. So Texas is actually 15th in Ken Palm that season. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much merit you give Ken Palm uh, or not, but, you know, that, that was a very good team. Like they were like Arkansas was a four seed and they were actually ranked higher and had a worse Ken Palm ranking than Texas did that season. So it was a really good Texas team, you know, despite that they were a six seed. But yeah, like the tournament struggles have been a real thing for us for sure. 
Well, well, Frank, we only like Ken Palm when they have us high in Ken Palm. If they have us low, we don't like Ken Palm. <laughs> what are you, 22nd right now in Ken Palm? Yeah, yeah, we're actually yeah. pretty good. So, and JR, I saw you talked about that in Maryland. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but Maryland not being ranked, we actually like that because it gives a little chip on the shoulder. I think Maryland, I do believe it's Purdue, Michigan State, and Maryland. I know you all put Maryland on a different tier than Michigan State Maryland. I, th- I really think our freshman class is legit. I think DHS is legit, and I think he's going to open a lot of eyes. I may be wrong. So yeah, let's or go ahead, Frank. I was going to say, Jordan. Actually, uh, I I think that they should be ranked. Honestly, um, I think with you know a proven coach like Kevin Willard, um, you know uh, coming off of a tournament appearance, uh, a really good a top twenty recruiting class coming in. You know, you're bringing in Jordan Geronimo, who we never really saw uh, materialize in Indiana, but you know he's got Big Ten experience. Like I, I I see that as a slight to Maryland, and obviously I want I want the Big Ten to be high because I want you know Purdue to to plow right through them and have good wins. So uh, I definitely think Maryland should be ranked. And then we, we talk about Jameer Young. I know everybody was kind of, Russ, we talked about it, upset that he was the number one returning point guard of the Big Banner. You know, one thing I've learned, if we, we've watched the past career, especially the transfer report, I think, Russ, we might have talked about it. The the biggest the biggest take back is when those kids come from a lower non-power Big Five conference and they come in, it's that first-year adjustment. And I think it's going to be huge. Jameer has that, for, that year under the Big Ten, under his belt. And that's why I think he is better than Terrence. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 partial. I'm partial, but I think Jameer Young's the the truth. I think DHS is going to be a great sidekick. Yeah, I definitely don't think Terrence Shannon Jr. is all always made out to be. I think he's too inconsistent. And uh, yeah, Illinois fans, you can get mad at me all you want, but he's not. He, he just has too much hype. He's not going to be. That's why he fits in with Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. What do you guys think about Jameer Young? Russ, I'll let you go first. What are your uh, kind of full thoughts on him? Is he one of the top guards in the conference, or do you think he's a little overrated? Um, well, yeah, he's one of the top guards in the conference and I know, um, Frank's probably got more homework on this than, than I do. So I'll let him kind of run with it after this, but we talked about it last week. He's a volume guy. He shoots one out of every three shots when he's on the floor. His offensive efficiency is terrible compared to any of the top guards in the, in the conference. So of course he's going to look great when you just, that he's the only guy you got that can hit a shot and she's just going to keep feeding him and feeding him and feeding him. And he gets, you know, he goes, in a game, he might go two for 10 from the field, but then go make nine out of 10 free throws, and you go, hey, you had a decent game. Like, no, he really didn't. And, and I get that. I mean, you're, you're right about that, Russ, and I think that's what this year is going to be different. I really think DHS, Jamie Kaiser, two freshmen, remember those names, and the fact Dante Scott doesn't have to be a main piece of this offense. He was now a role player, which that's what he's born to do. And I'm tired now, there ain't one Purdue fan that wouldn't love to have Dante Scott on their team. He is the – the down to earth fight for the ball kind of guy. We got rid of the Hakeem Harks, uh, the Ian Martinez. I'm telling you, we have Big Ten players now. Frank, what do you think about Jameer Young? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm just going to kind of echo what Russ said. I mean, it, at, at his peak, you know, he had a 113 offensive rating, uh, but his usage usage percentage is also very high. As Russ said, he's taking one out of three shots when he's on the floor. Um, he's using about 30 percent of possessions when he's on the floor. Uh, I think we're going to see a Maryland team that's not going to demand that much of him. Right. So we, we, we might see an increase uh, in terms of shot selection. Um, I'd like to see him shoot it a little bit better, too. Uh, but in terms of athleticism, he's up there probably in top two or top three. Uh, but in terms of just, you know, uh, efficiency, he's never been an efficient scorer throughout his career. And I would love to see him kind of take that next step and become a little bit more efficient. Um, but I, I would definitely put him in the top three point guards in the Big Ten for sure. Uh, and who he can contend with the uh, TBD on that one. 
Yeah, I think you're right on that, Frank. I think the biggest thing is that he gets help this season, and I think GHS is that help to really bring him into it so that way he's not shooting the ball, like Russ said, one out of every three times down the court. Uh, he doesn't need to be Russell Westbrook. You know, <laughs> he doesn't yeah. have to be. But he, he had to be last year, you know what I mean? Last year, Right, that's what I'm saying. This year, he doesn't have to be that yeah. guy, and I think it's going to be better for his game overall because he's going to be able to make those plays off the ball more instead of just having the ball in his hand all the okay. time. GHS is going to be huge for that. So, all right, Jordan, you let me know. Is Maryland going to make the tournament? And what seed do you think we're looking at for them? <laughs> well, you know we're going to make the tournament because okay. Purdue said the gold standard. That's the gold standard make the tournament, right? So we're going to make the tournament. And I Joe Lenardi has us as an eight seed. Once again, we talked about this again last week, Russ. Man, if anybody didn't listen to me and Russ last week, go back and listen to it because we talked some good basketball on the big huddle, the Big Ten huddle. I got there you, you go. JR. I got your plug. <laughs> but uh, with that said, I don't see us being a seed. I've seen us about the four to six seed just because the Big Ten hurts ourselves so many times. But if we play to our, our potential, it's, it's so hard to be a number one seed. I, that's why I hate preseason rankings because Duke can lose like three games from November to December, but they'll still only fall to like 15, and then they'll run the ACC, and next you know they'll be the one seed again. So I'm predicting like a four to five seed for Maryland. That's my goal. Well, Russ, you tell me, is Maryland like uh, Purdue last year, unranked to a top seed in the AP poll, a top seed in the tournament? You think they're going to do that? That's that's quite the jump. That's quite the jump. <laughs> I, I, I don't think so. I think that, you know, the Big Ten is going to beat each other up again this year. Um, I do think that the top is better than in the middle and the bottom, um, like Jordan and I talked about last week. But I still think, you know, I think Maryland could struggle to finish in the top three in this conference, maybe even top four. You know, I <laughs> Come do on, think Russ. Illinois has got enough talent that when when they can get out of their own way and stop with all the off-the-court drama or even the sideline drama and actually put together the best product they can on the court, Illinois is a is a good ball club. And I always got you know some talent too. You know, you saw that guard list where they had a couple of guys on that list and they're bringing in some new pieces as well. That I think, you know, I think Maryland, you know, they I think they do get somewhere in the six to seven range. I don't think they're all the way down at an eight, but but no, I don't think they're a top, you know, three or four seed at all. That's crazy, Russ. Crazy. I think it's so important for the Big Ten to really bring in those uh, top tier guards in the nation because right now, you know, we have the big men. We have the guys. I mean, Purdue knows this better than anybody else. We have the big men to do what we need to do. But unfortunately, when you get into the tournament, those big men just are not nearly as valuable there as they are in the tournament. So, Frank, what do you think? Uh, Jameer Young, Maryland, going to make the tournament. C production, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's even a question at this point that Maryland's definitely a tournament team. You know, I can see them finishing third and I can see them finishing, you know, fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. Um, you know, uh, as Russ said, Illinois can be their own worst enemy. Uh, you know, Indiana's a giant question mark. Michigan State's going to be really good. Wisconsin's going to be really good. Uh, Iowa, you know, has a lot of lot of upside potential as well. But I think if you're, you know, a top five, top six Big Ten team, you're deserving of a five seed or better. Um, so I, I think at worst five seed uh, for Maryland. JR, I forgot to mention something, JR. Yeah, go ahead. I said four seed, but we're the Turtleheads. Uh, French first of the Big Ten, number one overall seed, win the national title. Don't forget. I was, I was there surprised there by is. your – I was a little conservative. I was a little conservative. It's late tonight, all right? <laughs> you're, you're so humble. Uh, there it is. The The football season has humbled you a little bit. Is that <laughs> Hey, it's basketball season. How many times I got to tell you all this? Basketball season. <laughs> all right, very good. So, uh, Jordan, you want to go ahead and plug the podcast, help people yeah, find you out? Yeah, so uh, as you know, oh, look at this. Per- you don't have perfect timing. Hit it, Eli. The Terps got Orioles and the Ravens. I mean, like, monkey, not Maryland Pride. Didn't even pay him. Like, what's the chances? He walked in right on that. But if you want to hear that every week, every show, once a week, Maryland sports, Ravens, Orioles, Maryland, 
We just have a good time. If you don't even like those teams, maybe you hate us, just come over and listen to our pod, man. We have a great time. I think everybody's starting to warm up to the Turtleheads. Russ and Frank hated us at first, but they got a little soft spot. They got a little soft spot for the Turtleheads. Apple, Spotify. We love ourselves some turtle heads over here at uh, Big Banter Sports. So, and they got uh, a testy. In case y'all didn't know, they got a. Testy. That's right. That's right. Whatever We're the, the only is. Big Ten or Big Banner podcast to have a testy. Don't forget it. Wow, what an honor. So, all right, we're going to get these guys out of here. We're going to bring in Burke and uh, Brant to talk some Northwestern. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. See ya. There we go. There's Burke. And there's Brant. Hey, hey. Thanks for coming in, guys. Uh, we do we, we have a uh, Northwestern podcast called The Wild Chat. They also cover football for us. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't be here tonight, so uh, we're just going to talk a bunch of crap about them, and that's what they yeah. get for, uh, you know, for not showing up. So, <laughs> I mean, I really wish they were here because I know Boo Booey, and that's about it. But... <laughs> Hey, that's the best name in uh, in Big Ten. Though, yeah, so. yeah. Um, well, let's start there with Boo Booey. So they lost Chase Adige, uh, defensive, you know, great defensive player for them. He's no longer there. Uh, but Boo Booey, he is still there. And he, I mean, he's a really good player. Brad, I think you had him, what, top five in the Big Banter Sports rankings of guards? Yeah, we had him up there. He may have, I figured if he was like second or third, he was up there. Honestly, I think he's very deserving of first um, yeah. out of the returning guards. He's been making plays in the Big Ten since... I mean, as long as I can remember, he's been here for ages. Yeah. And the fact that he's coming back is big time. Just having that kind of experience, uh, especially for a team like Northwestern, um, returning that kind of experience at the, at the point guard position is going to be massive and and how far they can go this season. Um, so he, he's someone that's really electric. He's um, he's he's going to be a lot of fun to watch this season, as he has been for the past few seasons. And honestly, I know you called Tomi Naga the, the Asian Seth Curry. I call just the Japanese, the, Japanese Steph Curry. Yeah, Japanese, the Japanese Steph Curry. I, I'd say that Boo Booey is kind of the Steph Curry of the Big Ten, aside from mm. um, aside from Tommy Naga, maybe. But I mean, he just he makes plays. He spreads the ball out. He hits threes. Um, he's that guy. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely. But like, like you just brought up, Chase Audige, he just got cut by the Wizards. It's it's a it has to be so painful to them that they couldn't find NIL to help him out to keep him around because without him, I I don't really know much about the transfers they're bringing in. I don't know about who's going to be able to step up, but he was such a great second piece to boo booey. Yeah. Some some guys they have coming in that are going to be really, really good. And some of these guys are coming back too, but Brooks Barnheiser is going to be a good player for them. Um, Ryan Langborg. Again, I'm terrible with names. And then Blake Preston. Those are their pair of transfers that are coming in that are going to be really strong for them or, you know, need to be strong for them in order to make an impact. So sorry, Burke, I cut you off there. Go ahead. No, no. Yeah. Like just on that, it's going to be, a really great test and you're we're gonna see what chris collins is made of in uh if he's able to follow up last season because i mean last season it it was historically an anomaly for them and it was the outlier it was indiana's covid football season yeah and let me tell you the next season was not that great (laughs) so are you comparing chris collins here to tom allen is that what you're saying 
Um, I, hey, he might have worked his way into that lifetime contract that we can't seem to fire him out of. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, and Boo Booey, I mean, he's an exceptional player bringing him in. I think that Northwestern's out of conference schedule is pretty favorable this year. Um, I, I don't really see too many really tough games on here. Arizona State, that's going to be again, that's obviously a power five team or power six, I guess, in basketball. Uh, team, I really don't see anybody else on here that's going to be a huge challenge. DePaul, they play at DePaul, so that's going to be a game, but I think that you know for Northwestern it's it's really good to have the schedule to kind of set themselves up they have that weird Big Ten game on December 1st versus Purdue uh so you know that that might set them back but but overall what do we think here guys do we see a tournament team possibly Brant what do you think I do think this is a team that can kind of squeak into the tournament I mean replacing Audige is obviously no easy task but just getting Boo Booey back is huge And I think Ty Berry is a guy that can really take a step forward for them this year and kind of maybe step up into that role that Adige played last year. Um, He was an 8.5 point per game scorer last year. I know he was hurt at points last year, um, but he can defend. He can score um, when needed as like a secondary or tertiary piece. Um, I think he's a guy who can slide in uh, really nicely into that backcourt. And then, like you mentioned, Brooks Barnheiser. he was just a freshman last year, if I'm not mistaken, but mm-hmm. one of the better shooters I've seen in the Big Ten. I think he's a guy that can take a huge, huge step forward offensively for them. Um, and then Justin Harmon. Like the, I mean, Justin Mullen. Sorry, there's two Justins. Justin Harmon, okay. Illinois guard. All these transfers kind of jumbling me up. But yeah, Justin Mullen's coming in from Denver. Um, another guy who can kind of step into that guard rotation. Um, so I, I think they've got a pretty deep guard rotation that can definitely um, – makes the noise yeah, yeah i think you, so too it'll be interesting what are your thoughts burke yeah it, i mean yeah boo booey so you have the floor general as long as you can find some shooting they could honestly be a lot like penn state was i uh, like this season i think they could make a run in the tournament that maybe just buys them enough credit to get into the ncaa tournament yeah like make a run in the big 10 tournament to take into the ncaa but yeah, it, that's all dependent on them being able to get the most out of their shooters and uh, honestly, somebody stepping up and uh, playing second fiddle to uh, Boo Booey for sure. Yeah, I think that this team is going to be a tournament team. Um, I think the biggest thing for them is just that they beat the teams they're supposed to be in the Big Ten, right? I mean, remain consistent, do what you're supposed to do, uh, you know, beat the teams that are under you. Rutgers is going to be a team that's pretty good, but I think they can be able to beat Iowa. I think they should be able to take care of Michigan um, in those games. But, um, you know, the biggest thing, like you guys, like, like I said earlier, is just beat the teams you're supposed to beat, take care of business when you're supposed to take care of business, and hopefully Chris Collins shows that he's not just a one-hit wonder like Tom Allen, uh, and he can actually keep this team going. Because uh, that would be the worst thing ever if, you know, you give somebody a big, long contract after being a one-hit wonder. And uh, uh, Yeah, it, it <laughs> is the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah, I think Tom Allen's buyout is like $20 million or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't it, think Chris Collins painful. is that big. I haven't read his contract lately, but uh, definitely don't think it's that big. So, all right. You guys got any other thoughts about Northwestern before we get out of here? Um, No, just that Boo Booey pushed off Trey Galloway, and that was why they beat us and the only time we played him. So. Yeah, well, what he's <laughs> got to accept it as truth because Wild Chad isn't here to defend themselves. Nope. So. Yep, no, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> 
show up for the season preview and you won't have to have uh, ha- have anybody say anything like that. No, yeah, yeah that's no. just, hey, maybe if we could get a little more reliable Big Ten officiating. I don't know <laughs> if they have the season. Dude, it was one game. One game made you eighth. One game made you third. It, it's crazy what one play makes a difference in this conference. It's like it's like a Peter Pan wish right there. Reliable <laughs> yeah. Big Ten officiating. Wow. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, Indiana really fast. Burke, you want to get, tell people where they can find Often Daunted at? Often Daunted. You can find it everywhere you get your favorite podcasts. I'm going to be working on some video components coming up here soon. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just uh, ignorantly optimistic uh, talk on Indiana basketball. And I mean, on that, uh, <laughs> talking about the news that we all received today are uh, very hyped to recruit Mackenzie and Baco getting arrested at a Taco Bell. Um, Classy place to be arrested. at. Yeah. Yeah. All I can say is go check out the reviews of that Taco Bell. They routinely list their closing time at 3 a.m. He was there at 2:15. pissed that he couldn't get a taco because the people on the intercoms were saying they were closed, which they weren't. I bet Taco Bell HQ would have been livid with those folks. Who, among if anything, us, he's exposing inadequacies in Taco Bell's corporate structure. Who among us has not wanted a cheesy gordita crunch at two a.m.? Hey, and nacho fries. Nacho fries are back. All right. Who among us doesn't want some nacho fries at two a.m. And then evil Taco Bell closes their doors. So. I, I can't say I've resisted arrest for a cheesy gordita <laughs> crunch, but I can't say I haven't. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been close. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's go ahead. Let's talk about Mike Woodson and IU. Uh, Mike right. Woodson, uh, they 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 got into the tournament. They won their their playing game last year, and it was a or was it a playing game or first round for for the tournament last year? Big Ten? Yeah, no, no, no. The NCAA. Tournament. Oh no, no. Yeah, we were a five. Okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So was, they won the first round. They played Miami. I don't know why I was blanking yeah. on that. Yeah, no, um, you're good. But Mike Woodson's still looking to take that next step here. Uh, is this season the season where he takes that next step and really runs a little bit deeper in the tournament and satisfies some of these IU fans' desires? See, it's it's all about how you're measuring each season because Mike Woodson has taken a step every season. He's gotten us closer. He's gotten us more, I mean, just serious in the eyes of others. Um, every single ending result of the season has been better than the last with him. And of course, like you want to see the leap that he can just get everything, get everything out of his players and just absolutely take a leap. This roster, there are so many questions about that. We, it could end 10th. It could end third, second. Like it, it, it's such an unknown with the guys we've got. Um, But honestly, Mike Woodson has done so much to, earned the trust of this fan base that i mean we really just trust him like there's no reason not to yet he hasn't given us one yeah for sure fox sports and their uh prediction put them as six which to me is like the we don't know we're just gonna slide you in here because you could finish six you could finish third you could finish you know 10th uh we have no idea (laughs) because that's just yeah such is life in the big 10 right uh brant what what do you think are healthy expectations for mike woodson going into this season yeah, my expectations are kind of on par with that. Um, I mean, Indiana, throughout the RG years, it was just painful for the fan base, but funny for everyone else in the Big Ten. Oh, because, absolutely. I'm sure. Because, because, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, everyone likes to see the Indiana fans upset. It's just electric to 
to kind of have them yeah, raging, we get really upset. raging at everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mike Woodson finally got them back into the tournament uh, two years ago. I mean, it was a play-in game two years ago, but they won that and rightfully earned their bid. And then in there as a five seed last year. But this year, they lose Trey Jackson Davis, and that's just a huge, huge hole to fill. I know Khalil Ware, the guy they're bringing in to replace him, was a very, very hyped recruit. But he just it, it didn't click last year at Oregon. He got benched down the stretch. He really didn't play too many minutes. I'm not sure if it was a character issue, if it was a you know like a, a hustle issue. Um, so it remains to be seen um, kind of what happens in the front court for Indiana. That's where the biggest question marks are for me. Uh, returning Xavier Johnson and Trey Galloway in the backcourt, though, is huge. Um, in my opinion, in order to make a run in March, you've got to have continuity at the guard positions, and that's something that Indiana does have. Um, so I think I think Mike Woodson is going to get them back to the tournament, and could he make it to maybe the Sweet Sixteen? It really all depends what the matchups look like. Because if they get matched up with like you know a tough Miami team, who's just going to put them in a blender? Like yeah. they last year, they were never going to win that game. But if they draw maybe a more favorable matchup. Um, there's no reason that they can't go ahead and make it. Maybe Mike can take another set. Yeah, Burke, I think this is an interesting storyline with losing TJD and Xavier Johnson. He did, he played a little bit of last year, but obviously the injury hindered him from being there most of the year. Uh, are you looking forward? I, I know that's hard to ask because TJD was so good, but are you kind of looking forward to this post-TJD era with Xavier Johnson and what Mike Woodson can kind of do with his guys? Or are you like, no, this is going to suck. Give me TJD back. I am forever grateful for TJD and his time at Indiana. But that being said, when Mike Woodson came here, he said he wants to play a faster style. He wants to play a more NBA-looking offense. And I think we talked on the last preview I was on with you, JR, that um, really Indiana's entire game plan was handcuffed last season. Mm -hmm. It was you're going to your best option because he's going to make it every time. Like TJGD was the most reliable offensive option we had. There wasn't even a, like a B and C option. There wasn't a, a second or third guy to even go to, but we really didn't have to. And like, as far as like what he's able to get out of these guys, if you look at the example of TJD, there's something there that Mike Woodson has proven like TJD D like in seasons prior, it's almost sacrilege to say this, but he was soft. Like he was so much softer than Mike Woodson got him to be like he was trace Jackson Davis. And uh, yeah, Mike Woodson made him TJD. Well, I think that was part of the whole problem with Archie Miller is the team never really looked like that strong, you know, we're going to beat you up and we're going to take care of you and spit you out to kind of team. I mean, but that's what Mike Woodson has brought to this team. And that's what he brought to TJD. Um, I think you're going to miss the leadership of TJD. The most oh, absolutely. Because, like you said, he was that tough, you know, tough minded guy when Mike Woodson got there and Woodson coached him hard. I remember listening to interviews about that where Woodson was like, look, if he's not good, I'm going to tell him he sucks. Like, and Personally, yeah. I love to hear that from coaches. I love to hear that you are honest with your guys and say, look, you need to be better because at the end of the day, that's the only way you get better. Uh, and the guys are either going to respond with, you know, curling up and say, oh, I can't do this or they're going to get better. So, um, and uh, that's what, that's what he said about Kalel where he told, he said straight up Kalel. I told him it's not going to be like that. Like I'm going to push you. And then, uh, yeah, just having Kalel sign up for that is huge. And, uh, I just hope to God it works out because, God, if it doesn't, if this goes off the rails, it could go off the rails very quickly. 
but I have faith. It's all I can have. It's all I can do, right? Can you imagine that conversation with Mike Woodson and McKenzie Mbako after the Taco Bell? Oh my God. He's just going to be like (laughs) young. And that is the dumbest. That is the dumbest thing I've heard in my time. in this, (laughs) like dealing with this kind of shit. I see Mike Woodson, dude, just come over to my house. I'll make you a taco. You know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. No, he probably, you're probably going to hit him with, Hey, nothing good happens after 2 (laughs) a.m. Like, of course. My grandma said 11 p.m. So Mike Woodson, (laughs) 2 a.m. He's, he's, hey, uh, that, yeah. He he spent time in the NBA. He has a different wavelength of party, I guess. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Well, I guess if you're a Pacific guy, you know, the time change and stuff. Yeah. All right. uh, Or, yeah, Pacific. Uh, all right, we're going to move on here to uh, the Iowa basketball. Connor Barrett is supposed to be with us from inside the nest. However, he's feeling under the weather tonight, so he's not going to be able to with us. We hope that Connor gets better, but you can find Connor and his podcast over at Inside the Nest. Find them on uh, all the podcast platforms over there and find them on Twitter as well. So Inside the Nest Zero is their name, Inside the Nest Zero on Twitter. Well, let's look at this team, guys. Uh, uh, we have Murray lost, both the Murray brothers. They were kind of like the one-two punch there back-to-back years. Um, but, you know, th- there are other pieces as well that are that are uh, lost as well. But they still have a few guys back that could make an impact. Um, how, how do they replace all of this production? How does Fran McCaffrey put this together and make this another offensive juggernaut team? Because I assume that's what he wants to do and really make this into the team uh, that can have high scoring and really contend in the Big Ten. And Brant, what do you think? Yeah, for me, it's really just play through Peyton Sanford. This is a guy who, I mean, he could explode for like 30 points in any given game last year. We saw it specifically one game I'm thinking of is that crazy game against Michigan State where Sanford just dropped like nearly 20 points over like a minute stretch. It was insane and brought Iowa back from, you know, seemingly out of the game to coming back and winning that game. Um, So I think I think if you play through him, You've got a guard and Tony Perkins who can kind of space the floor a bit. Um, that, that's really how you're going to have to go. It's going to be through the offense again this year. They, they didn't really change anything defensively to get, bring in any guys who are kind of soft gaps on that end of the ball. Um, and I think it's going to be t- significantly tougher with no Murray this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they played through him um, and, and his brother for the past few years. Um, so I, th- I think this is a team that's kind of sitting on the bubble this year. And if they if they can't kind of figure out how to defend the ball, they they could end up on the on the wrong side of the bubble. Yeah, historically, Iowa, at least recently, hasn't been able to get that guard that can really take over the game. So Peyton Sanford, you know, he's he's going to be a really good player. But can he take over the game like the Murray brothers did in, in, in those situations? It's going to be really interesting to see if that can happen. Burke, what are uh, some of your thoughts about the loss of production and the production that they have uh, still there and the production they have coming in uh can they replace the players they lost as an indiana fan i feel like iowa fans would be slighted with anything i say about iowa because they have had our absolute number since mike woodson got to indiana uh he is the single head that he has not collected in this conference and uh yeah as far as peyton sanford that guy went just lights out against us and he can do that at a moment's notice and uh Honestly, like I, I said, we said on the last show, like he is my pick for Big Ten Villain of the Year because once he's getting hot, it, it fuels his game and he is so cocky about it. And I mean, sometimes you just sit there and can't do anything about it. 
your defense isn't going to be able to respond if he's going nuclear like that. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, as, as I mean, it's Iowa any year. They're going to live by the three. They're going to die by the three. If they can uh, find the shooters, if they can hit, like if they can hit a high conversion, they'll be fine. Yeah, I always feel like Iowa's kind of the the villains of the Big Ten most years anyway. I don't know of a single yeah, fan base. Yeah, that, that <laughs> likes Fran McCaffrey, which, you know, hey, if people hate you, it means that you're doing something right because, you know, you're beating their team. So, uh, but even just looking at this Iowa schedule, you know, North Dakota, Alabama State, they definitely have those uh, easy teams there, but they are playing Creighton. They are pay, playing Oklahoma, Iowa State, some of those teams. So those aren't exactly going to be easy games, uh, but I don't know. They could get Creighton early because Creighton is ranked eighth, and that would be a huge win. And I, I really am not too confident in the team that Creighton has put together this season. So are we looking at a team here where maybe they take some of these games in the preseason, go into the Big Ten, you know, just are above 50%? Are they a tournament team, or is this a situation where it's like, you know, you guys don't expect the tournament at all because um, it, it's just not happening this year? Brant, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for me, they just don't play Big Ten basketball the way that everybody else in the conference does, where it's kind of, you know, defend, kind of hack, just hack the other team until it gets called. Um, Iowa, they live by the three and die by the three, like Burke said. Um, so it's, it's really just a different style of play. And it sometimes sometimes they get some wins in the Big Ten, sometimes it doesn't. Um, just depends how the matchups are looking that day and if the three is falling really is the, the, the difference for them. Um, but as far as making the tournament, they're going to have to go 500 in the Big Ten. Um, and then I think they have to win that one against Crete. And if they get that one, that puts them on the right side of the bubble. They drop that one. I think it maybe sends them on the wrong side. And I think that's one that's very winnable, uh, getting Crete early in the year. That's a team that we mentioned earlier has a lot of turnover, um, losing a lot of production from last season. So I, I think that's a winnable game. And I think if they can get that one, they can maybe sneak in as maybe a 10 or 11 seed. Yeah, yeah b- building on that, like that Creighton game, uh, just through the eyes, through my Indiana perspective, I, I look at that opportunity for them, and I think a lot about what we made of the Xavier game for us this season, or last season, where that Xavier win looked so much better at the end of the season, where uh, if they if they can cash in and win early, that's definitely going to pay dividends for them. And yeah, if they if they have that in the bag, if they can look competent in the Big Ten, I I see them getting in. Yeah, I think so. I think this the beginning of the season is super important for this team. It's hard to lose all that production and still be good. But um, you know, like you guys pointed out, Tony Perkins, Peyton Sanford, uh, those are those are guys that have to step up this season and really be uh, major contributors and be a part of that offensive production and make that stuff happen. Uh, are we concerned about Fran McCaffrey if you know if they don't make the tournament? Are we concerned? You know, I mean, he's been there for a while. Not you know, not as long as Kurt Ferentz or anything like that. But I know Iowa fans are a little. T- testy with how football has gone a little bit with the Brian Ferentz situation. Uh, Burke, you think anything uh, negative is being thought about Fran, especially if he doesn't make the tournament? It, it it feels like in the day of NIL where every dollar is just so important and keeping like in your arsenal, you can't fire both those guys. Mm-hmm. Like they can't both be on the hot seat because uh, what, what are your options of filling that with competent coaches? like in both uh, programs. So I, I just don't, I don't see Fran going anywhere. I, I don't know what he would have to do. It would have to be no, it would have to be no tournament 
and just an abysmal showing on the season. But I think he has the shooters that that won't be the case. Yeah. Brent, what are your thoughts? Yeah, for me, it's really like Fran and Kirk are kind of in the same boat where I think they're going to leave on their own terms when they do leave from Iowa just because of what they've done for the program, uh, both respectively. I know Fran, maybe he hasn't won championships at Iowa, but he's gotten consistently in the tournament. He has him consistently in the middle of the Big Ten, uh, really able to knock off anybody at any moment's notice. And I don't think that's something that Iowa's going to be willing to move on from unless it really just crumbles. And I, I don't see that happening anytime soon. I just I just think about like what would who would be a prospective hire for them? Yeah, that too. Oh, and that's the hard part is we don't even know what kind of guys Iowa goes after because sometimes you can look at the football program and be like, oh, okay, they go after guys who you know are alumni from the program and these different kinds of things. We have no idea who Iowa would hire. Their coaches have been there for so dang long. Yeah. I mean, I, we have no idea who are they going to go for. Uh, are they just going to hire Caitlin Clark and make her the head coach right <laughs> up to scratch? Maybe I'm for it. It's okay. So, uh, yeah, I, sorry, I had to make sure we got Caitlin Clark in there. We figured there we could go. go through <laughs> Iowa without saying her name at least once. So. Uh, Caitlin, come on over. Play for Fran McCaffrey. He'll turn you into a shooter <laughs> for the Iowa Hawkeyys on the sure. men's side. All right. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Appreciate you. We're going to uh, say goodbye to Burke and Brant, and we're going to bring Tim in here. Tim is going to talk some Michigan State predictions with me. If you have not heard about uh, Bacon Wire, Bacon Wire is the Michigan State podcast as, uh, as well. Uh, Michigan State has a lot going for them this year and I know Bacon Wire is really really excited about that especially with how the football season has been going so uh Tom Hizzo is the rock that they're leaning on and uh having that there so welcome Tim how we doing today doing great um I'm gonna go in three three known fantasy this week um you know it, it the Ohio State just picked up a a, a monstrosity of a win over Dayton in a very real game that definitely counts um, so usually I say I I could complain but won't, but I, I have no complaints today. So, yeah, life's good. No complaints. There we go. All right. Uh, we'll talk more about that Ohio State game here soon because I don't even know if a lot of people knew that was going on. I, I heard there weren't very many Ohio State fans there, so we can fill them in on that. But uh, let's go ahead and talk some Michigan State. All right, Michigan State, they are preseason number four. Tom Izzo has gotten this team to a good place. Tyson Walker's coming back. A.J. Hogard is coming back. I mean, this and they have their, their star freshman coming in as well. I mean, this is going to be a, a good team, I think, but I don't know if – preseason number four is really warranted what are your thoughts on that yeah I think Michigan is a really interesting team because you even look at last season and they underachieved overachieved not sure in the in Big Ten play but when you come back with so much experience and you make you make the tournament like that's nice but you'd like to see a couple of showstoppers on the roster obviously the freshman class is going to be really good but Looking at AJ Hogard and and the backcourt, Michigan State is going to be really good. They're going to be really experienced. But as you head into the NCAA tournament, a lot of times people say you've got to be really good offensively and defensively. If you're not top 35 in, in both in Ken Palm, then you're not going to be able to make a run. You need a guard that can really go out and and get you buckets. And I'm not sure if Michigan State has that guy. So as far as making a push. Can they do it in Big Ten play and and potentially win the conference this year? I definitely think it's within their grasp, but it's hard for me to see Michigan State being able to make a a big time run in the tournament because 
I think they lack that number one player that you can lean on as the as the tournament goes on to really get hot. So I think Michigan State will be good. I think it's going to be between them and Purdue to, to take the Big Ten this year. Those are the pretty two clear favorites, and that's what people, obviously, everyone says. Um, but moving forward, it, it's going to be tough for them, I, I think, uh, to be able to advance in the tournament. They have the experienced guard play, but I, again, they don't have the guy, I don't think, who can go out and get a bucket instantly um, and go for a run with 10 points, and I think that's what they're missing this year. Yeah, they're definitely going to have uh, Tyson Walker, A.J. Hogard turn into one of those guys to make that happen. Uh, Tyson Walker was first team in the Big Ten on uh, media days, and A.J. Hogard was second mm-hmm. team. So um, I think it's pretty safe to say this is the best uh, guard combo in the Big Ten this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, but I'm with you. They have to they have to step up. They have to make that happen, number one, if they want to win the Big Ten, and number two, if they want to make a deep run in the tournament. Now, I... Far for me to ever doubt Tom Izzo, all right? I'm not trying to say that, you know, they aren't going to be number four in the country or anything like that. I just look around and I say, I don't know if they have done anything to show me, hey, this is a top four team for sure. I mean, they were 21 and 13 last year. Yes, they reached the Sweet 16, but they lost to Kansas State, who Kansas State lost uh, just a little bit later on there to, uh, what, Florida Atlantic. Uh, is that who Kansas State lost to? Um so, I mean, this is a situation where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of hype going into uh, the season here, but I don't know if number four is warranted, but they'll have the opportunity to prove it. They have Duke and Arizona both on the Auto Conference. Oh, and Baylor as well. Yeah. Um, now, the, all three of those games are at home, so this is a good situation for Sparty. Uh, but I I don't know if they're going to be able to take care of Duke, especially that early in the season while they're still getting stuff together. What do you think about that game? I think they can take care of Duke. I think... The the advantage for Michigan State is they get Duke so early in the year that Duke is going to be dealing with what's the rotation going to look like, where are guys going to play. Obviously, you've got Kyle Filipowski, who should be an All-American this season. But the advantage that Michigan State is going to have over a team like Duke is they have so much coming back. I mean, their only major loss is Joey Hauser. So outside of that, it's pretty much the same exact team as it was last year with a really nice loaded recruiting class coming in. So I think I think Michigan State is definitely capable of beating a team like Duke. I, I think the ceiling, though, is, is more limited for Michigan State than it is for a team like Duke. I think by the time March, you could see Duke making a push for a one or a two seed pretty easily. I think it's going to be harder for Michigan State to do that. Yeah, I think the most interesting matchup in that game is going to be the experience now. He's been there for a year, Kyle Filipowski, versus the new incomer, Xavier Booker, who, yes, he was number 14 in the nation in recruiting rankings. I don't want to, you know, gloss over that at all. He, he, he has a lot of talent, uh, but can he make that jump right away? I understand exactly what you're saying. I think you're right in a lot of ways. That, that to me, is, is kind of the key here. Number one, can Xavier Booker take care of Kyle Filipowski enough to open it up for the rest of the team? And number two, can Tom Tom Izzo scheme and out coach uh, Duke to really make that happen to where they can win this game and they can really set the standard for themselves this season that they need to set. Um, do you see any way that we could be uh, seeing Tyson Walker and AJ Hogard really contending with Purdue? Uh, those that that guard situation. They only play them once this season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it is at Purdue, um, but I think most people know that Purdue's weaknesses was kind of their their. Uh, 
their freshman guards turned it over last year. So if two experienced guys like Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard can really help that matchup and make that happen, they might be able to steal that one from Purdue at Mackey. What do you think? Yeah, that's that's a really nice thing for Michigan State is their Big Ten conference schedule is the only one I would take over Ohio, Ohio State's at this point. They only have to take on Purdue once, and I do like Michigan State's backcourt a lot more than I like Purdue's. I've heard Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith have both look both look great so far in this preseason and within inter squad scrimmages and things like that. I've heard they look great, um, but overall, like I, I would definitely take Michigan State's backcourt over Purdue's. Obviously, Purdue's got Zach Eady, who's a great college basketball player. I think nothing more than that, but um, that's that's my own shtick that I have on the views from the shot pod. Um, but I mean, I think. Overall, like that's a game that I would pick Michigan State honestly to win. I think they just match up better. And again, Michigan State's conference schedule is so advantageous. It is really, really good. They're missing out on a lot of the top dogs or projected top dogs in the Big Ten. So that's why I think this this Big Ten race is going to be a lot closer than people think between Purdue and Michigan State. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Zach Eady is obviously the dominant player that many think he is. And I think that uh, I think with an offseason, Big Ten teams are going to be able to scheme a little bit better for him. Now, I don't know if that's going to result in any wins because he is a dominant player, but I do think the schemes are going to be better than what we saw last year. All right, Tim, you're going to talk through some Minnesota basketball. Uh, I suppose we can. Um, I, I've I've made it a point on my show to uh, not be all that optimistic about Minnesota. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we got to talk Minnesota, we can talk Minnesota. Yeah, Ben Johnson, uh, you know, hey, last year they beat Ohio State, not to bring it up and uh, give you a bad mood. Sorry about that. But they did beat Ohio State last year. So it wasn't a terrible season for them. Obviously, they still finished in the bottom of the Big Ten. So uh, that wasn't good. Nine and 22. I uh, can't really be too happy about that. But it was Ben Johnson's first year. So you know, you kind of have to go through that. Uh, but they have Dawson Garcia coming back. Um, it's going to be an interesting turn of events. But you guys did steal Jamison Battle from them. So without Jamison Battle and just Darson Garcia, do you see much hope at all for these Golden Gophers? I don't. I think it's it's pretty clear in my eyes that Minnesota is going to finish 13th at best in the Big Ten. There's a very clear drop-off between teams 12, 11, and 10 and the very bottom with them and Penn State. Um, look, you look at how Minnesota was last year. Ohio State, when Minnesota did beat Ohio State, they played in this like all access game on Fox where you could get back in, into the huddle and in the locker room and all these oh types of gosh, things. And Ben Johnson, it, it may have just been me. I've said this on my podcast as well that Ben Johnson just doesn't do it for me for whatever reason. I, I just can't seem to buy into what he's doing. And I think, look, like they're losing Jamison Battle. He's now at Ohio State. There's no one on, on this, the face of this earth who can say, Dawson Garcia is better than Jamison Battle. So now you're going to lean on Garcia. They get a top 80-ish recruit coming in in the freshman class. You've got some outgoing transfers, some incoming transfers. But overall, like there's nothing really for me to believe in Minnesota this season being any better than 13th. I hate to be pessimistic. And yeah, they beat Ohio State last season. But a lot of teams actually used Ohio State as their medicine last season to get off a of schneid. Um, so yeah, Minnesota got them. Wisconsin did the exact same thing with Ohio state. I think Nebraska did too, where they're all not playing well. They played Ohio state, picked up a dub and started to play better. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a lot of faith in Minnesota at all this year. 
and just as a general basketball fan, it's hard for me to be like, oh, Minnesota's taking on Florida Gulf Coast tonight. Yeah, let me tune into that on Big Ten Network. Like, there's just there's nothing there for me to be like, oh, I'm super excited. Like, Minnesota has the potential. Like, I just don't see it. Yeah, that's what I was going to point out next is their schedule is pretty favorable, especially in the out of conference. Really, the only challenge I would say that they have is Missouri and the out of conference. Now, of course, some of these smaller schools could could always pop up and be a content, not a contender overall, but, you know, contend with Minnesota uh, and really give them a tougher game. San Francisco is not bad, so I want to give them credit as well. But uh, I think we're looking at a situation here. They play Ohio State first game in the Big Ten, then Nebraska. They can win that Nebraska game if Fred Hoyberg is not on his game then they play Michigan uh at Michigan I I don't think it's a likely win but they could win that game I see that as a game that it could happen I'm not saying it will and then Maryland Indiana and then Iowa Iowa they could win that one as well so it's likely that we could see a uh, Minnesota team here that goes through the out of conference loses one or two games and then starts two and four or three and three in the Big Ten has a bit more hype uh, but then I just hate the schedule after that for Michigan State Wisconsin Penn State again they might win that one Northwestern Michigan State again at Iowa at Purdue I mean we're looking at the schedule and it's like no way. No way do I think they're going to really do anything this season. Um, have some more wins out of conference for the Big Ten, which might be nice. But but yeah, um, what are some of your thoughts on Ben Johnson? I know you gave your thoughts on kind of his coaching style overall, but uh, with how Minnesota is treating him, do you think he's long for Minnesota at all? Uh, I, 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 it, it's so hard to tell because like Minnesota – it's it's kind of the same thing I say about Michigan football as I've said for a long time. It, like your expectations to win a national title, if that's your expectations every single year, then you're just going to constantly be uh, disappointed. Like Michigan, Michigan hasn't really contended for a national title or won one since World War II, so we need to pump the brakes a little. Like it's it's the same thing with Minnesota. Like if your expectations are we need to compete for the Big Ten every single year, then no, Ben Johnson isn't your guy. But if your expectations are, hey, let's make it to the NIT, let's win 20 games, like let's be competitive and get better and better over year, I still don't think Ben Johnson is your guy. Like I just looking at his track record and and what he's done in this past, and I just it's hard for me to believe in a guy like Ben Johnson. Uh, I don't I don't know what it is about him, but like I've said it on the podcast before, he's he's the least my least favorite coach in the Big Ten for whatever reason. Hopefully Ben doesn't hear this um, and come for me, but. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm out on Ben Johnson. For for many reasons, I'm out on Ben Johnson. Yeah, I, when I look at that schedule last year and I look at the games they did win, uh, their out-of-conference was a lot tougher last year, so that definitely made things hard. But, I mean, they beat Ohio State, and then right after that they lost, you know, what? I can't even count how many are there. And then they yeah. beat Rutgers. Uh, Nebraska they beat. So, I mean, they had some wins there at the end. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just don't see much hope for Ben Johnson. I don't see him as being somebody who uh, the school is rallying behind. He doesn't He doesn't have that charisma. That's a big thing you need when you're not performing on the court is you need that charisma. You need to kind of give that hope to the boosters in the school, and, and I just don't see it. Uh, maybe there's something going on behind closed doors that, that I don't see. Uh, that's very possible, but I, I just don't see that kind of charisma and attitude that he needs to have in order to make that happen. And all of this to say, they didn't even play Illinois and Michigan State last year those games got canceled uh so when you look at this um you know they could have had more losses than what they had last year so uh if minnesota can make it 10th in the big 10 you think that's a successful year for him tim 
Sure. Yeah. I, if they make it 10, then, then I'll give him the dub and say, great job, Ben Johnson. Um, I, I mean, again, he he feels like the type of guy who's like that really, a really annoying fan or, or like mom at a high school basketball game who's like, come on, guys, play defense. Come on, rebound. Yeah. Oh, oh, grab the ball. Grab the ball. Like, I feel like that's the type of guy that we get from Ben Johnson. Um, it, yeah, that's that's my thoughts. If they finish in 10th, then good for Minnesota. I'll give them a pat on the back. But uh, it feels very unlikely. Yeah, that was kind of what I got last year from that game you talked about with Ohio State. Because I remember watching that game thinking it was going to be kind of interesting. And, and it seemed like, you know, Ben Johnson huddled him up. And he's like, all right, guys, we can do this thing. Coach to you. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. all right, <laughs> go draw up the strategy for him now. Uh, which yeah. not everybody has to be an X's and O's, guys. But it's just, it's it's uncommon for them to not be at all. So interesting as uh, as we go through the season there. All right, let's talk some Wisconsin here, Tim. Uh, Wisconsin. Returning a lot of talent this season. Uh, they are looking for that alpha that they need, kind of like what we were talking about with Michigan State, to really be that player who can make everything happen for them. Badger Notes After Dark can't be here to talk about who they think that will be. Uh, but I do think that this team has a lot of potential with the returning talent, kind of like Indiana last year with all the returning talent. Uh, but uh, you tell me, is this team built more for the NIT or are they built more for the NCAA? a tournament i think the team itself is built more for the nit but the fact that you're returning uh they're returning 12 out of 15 rostered players from last season and you could argue it's 13 out of 15 because one of those players is now on staff on the coaching staff Mm -hmm. they get aj store in as well who i think is going to be really really good for them they were so bad offensively last season they were abysmal offensively and i know they didn't have chucky hepburn for a part of the year as well. It's it's tough for me to to have an opinion on Wisconsin because I get that they're getting so much back, but I don't know if that's a good thing. Do we need to completely clean house and get these guys out of here and actually get some talented individuals in? Or did you deal with some injuries? Did you deal with some bad luck? And now you head into this season, you don't have to, you know, Greg Gard doesn't have to go in there and, and install the offense and the defense. You're kind of just picking up where you left off last season. And they did make a run in the NIT as well. I think that they might have lost in the NIT final. Um, yeah, they, they lost to North Texas. So, I, I mean, I think that is what gives me hope is how well they played down the stretch. Um, so are they? is the team itself built for the NIT? Yeah, I think it is. But the experience, the camaraderie, the fact that you get everyone back again, that makes me feel like this team can make it into the NCAA tournament. But this feels like the the most bubbly of bubble teams in all of the Big Ten. Yeah, I feel like if uh, the Big Ten West of football had a basketball team, it would be Wisconsin last year. <laughs> they would just mm-hmm. kind of put together who they were. Uh, but I think Connor Siegen has to take that step. If this team wants to be more than just an NIT run team and really make it to the tournament and make something happen, to the NCAA tournament and make something happen, Connor Siegen needs to take that step. He burst onto the scene last year. I don't think a ton of people were expecting him to do that, but he and Tyler Wall as well need to really take that step. I don't think Chucky Hepburn is is the kind of guy who's going to ever be more than just a reliable offensive guy and a really good defensive player. I don't think he's ever going to be that star for you. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll turn into that. Uh, I don't want to say it's not possible, but I do think for sure that we're looking at Connor Asijan or Tyler Wall to really take that next step and turn this team into something more than just the defensive battle team that we saw last year, that it hangs tough with teams and makes things happen. Um, are there any other particular players that you are looking at that could take a step forward uh, and be more of that established scorer? 
Yeah, I think AJ Store is going to allow Connor Siegen, Tyler Wall, Chucky Hepburn, whoever it may be, to take a step. Because I think AJ Store is going to be the guy for Wisconsin this year that you're going to be designing your game plans around defensively, trying to make sure that you're you're containing him. So I think because of that, you're going to see more attention poured into him. So if Connor Siegen is open in the corner and you can hit him with a skip pass and he can hit a three, an extra three per game, that by way is going to help him take a step. Same thing with Tyler Wall. I mean, this is a classic Wisconsin team that likes to shoot the three, that likes to sit down, slap the floor, play defense. So I I personally think A.J. Storr is going to be the key for this team this year. And if he can take a step up, then the the sky is not the limit. But the round of 32 is, is possible for Wisconsin, I think. Yeah, if they can keep that same defense last year, I think they were top 20 in Ken Palm defense last year. If they can even just elevate that offense enough to where they have a guy that they can rely on in big uh, times to make that happen, it'll be huge for them. All right, so I think we've covered Wisconsin pretty well there. Let's go ahead and look at Ohio State, Tim. This is your uh, master class here of, of who you know the best. Go ahead and tell people where they can find your podcast app before we get into it. Yes. So, so please do find us. Uh, we're at the shop pod at the shop pod at the shop pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's just one at the shop pod, but just so you hear it enough. Um, so you can find us there. We were tweeting about the Dayton exhibition. It was on ESPN plus and Valley sports. So not a lot of people got to see it. And, um, all the Dayton fans took all the tickets away from us anyway. So we couldn't go and watch <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, make sure you find us there. We're, we're pushing out. We're, we are literally the only Ohio State basketball exclusive podcast that publishes content regularly year round. There's a lot of podcasts out there covering football and basketball, some covering basketball, doing it, you know, every once in a while in the offseason. But we're the only one out there doing it 100 percent of the time. So uh, make sure you follow, subscribe, do all the things. Um, and it'll be a good time when you join. So, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I love listening to Tim. He's one of the podcasts here uh, that I listen to more often than anyone else, especially whenever he sends out an episode. So I love that from Tim and uh, be sure to listen to him. Tim, let's go ahead and let's look at kind of the biggest storyline for Ohio State this offseason. Chris Holtman, right? I know fans are crazy in Ohio and a lot of those that craziness from the football team kind of comes onto the basketball team. So some some of this criticism that Chris Holtman feels is probably a little bit unwarranted. But you tell me, I mean, uh, does he need to get back to the NCAA tournament and make a sweet 16 to keep his job? Or what is your thought process of Chris Holtman and what he needs to do to really get off of this hot seat situation? Yeah, I think you mentioned it like Ohio state fans are just crazy. I try to be the calm in the storm uh, and not be too far one way or another, which was very difficult last season in the midst of a few long losing streaks. So fans are going to be crazy about Chris Holtman one way or another. My opinion is no, he doesn't need to make it to a Sweet 16 to keep his job. Does he need to make the NCAA tournament to keep his job? I don't even know if that's the case. Like, I know for a fact Chris Holtman feels the pressure right now. Um, I think that's just clear. And outside of that, like, this is a team that if they can finish in the top half of the Big Ten, win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, go to the NCAA tournament and just win a freaking game, Chris Holtman is not going anywhere. If this is a team that is a bubble team throughout the year and they're not winning the games that they should, like they did last year. And then they're in the NIT or especially if they miss the NIT. Yeah. Ohio state is probably going to have to make some moves. Um, But there's also some logistics behind the scenes with Gene Smith and the fact that he's not going to be around much longer at Ohio Mm -hmm. state. So it's one of his last moves. Is he going to want that to be 
hey, I'm going to fire Chris Holtman and go try to find a solution. And now the new AD that comes in is going to have to figure out, is this new solution the guy? Like, it's it's just such a mess. And I don't think that that's something that Gene Smith is going to want to do. And it's also very clear publicly and privately that Chris Holtman and, and Gene Smith have a good relationship. So I think the leash is a little bit longer than than Ohio State fans are willing to admit. Yeah, I think that uh, situation with the AD is really, really important there. Uh, and what he said last year, I know uh, there were a, a number of media sources that went to the AD last year to ask about Chris Holtman. And every single time he said, hey, he's our guy, he's our guy, he's our guy. You know, he, he never wavered from that, never gave anything else uh, about possibly moving on from him. Uh, and I think that's a lot given to the fact that, you know, it's hard to fire somebody while you're on your way out the door. Because what are you going to do? Hire somebody and then the new AD has to take over for them? Uh, so not only for Chris Holtman, I think for Ohio State, to keep Ohio State fans relatively happy, which is really, really difficult, um, y- you have to have something happen this season. Even if it's just the second round, the round of 32, uh, you have to have something like that happen. Chris Holtman needs to get these freshmen together. Um, and I don't even know if he needs one of these Malachi Branhams or Bryce Sensabaugh to be this future NBA uh, first uh, first round pick who, who leaves the, the program right after the freshman year. I think if they can just get reliable play from the freshman and Chris Holtman can put this team together, that's what's most important. So let's go ahead and let's visit those freshmen. We have Scotty Middleton, we have Devin Royal, and we have Taysom Chapman. Uh, I think Scotty Middleton is going to be the most important guy this season. I've seen some people say Devin Royal. I've seen some people say Taysom Chapman. So there's a little bit of mystery there. What say you, Tim? Yeah, I think Scotty Middleton is going to step in day one with the opportunity, first of all, to play the three and start. Now, Mm -hmm. against Dayton, Evan Mahaffey did start at the three over Scotty Middleton. Middleton still got plenty of minutes, Um, but he he steps in with the opportunity to start or get a lot of minutes in year one. And he also steps in with the most college basketball ready body. Tayson Chapman did not play. He's still dealing with a knee injury that he's been trying to, to heal up over the off season. And, and outside of that, I think uh, you've also got Del Bonner there who's coming in a transfer from Baylor. He looked really, really good against Dayton. I think that a lot of fans are going to be thinking about Taysom Chapman. Well, Bruce Thornton and, and Del Bonner are going to be able to play really well in the front court together. I think Devin Royal probably has a little bit of time still to develop. Uh, he doesn't have the size necessarily to play the four, and I'm not sure that he has the lateral agility at this point to play the three and guard the three. And then you've got Austin Parks as well, which a lot of people don't mention, and and that's fine, but there may be some opportunity there, and he steps in. He has the most Big Ten body out of all of these freshmen right now. He stands at mm-hmm. 6'10", 250. He's already gotten some teeth knocked out by Zed Key. In, in practice, like he's ready to go play ugly bully ball in the Big Ten where your centers are just banging in the paint and refs aren't calling fouls and we're allowed to have this ugly brand of basketball that doesn't go any, in any other conference and that's fine. But Austin Parks is going to have a chance to, if there's injuries, if Zed Key can't go or if he gets re-injured or Felix Akpara gets hurt, he's going to be the next guy up there at the five. So he'll have an opportunity to make an impact too. But I think Scotty Middleton is going to be the guy. He's got the opportunity. He's got the frame. He's got the skill as well. He can defend, which Ohio State has made a huge point of emphasis this year as well. So I think Middleton is going to be the guy with the most potential here. Didn't they bring in a former Celtics assistant or something like that to help out with? uh, Yeah, defense. 
defense specifically, and that's been something that Chris Holtman has mentioned during Ohio State media days. A bunch of different players mentioned just playing better defensively. Last year, at times, they were just awful defensively, and it really held them back. So I've heard really, really good things about how the defense looks, about how they've made some adjustments and things like that. So that's going to be something to look forward to for Ohio State as well. And that's really what they missed last year with Sensabaugh on the court. Obviously, on offense, Sensabaugh was down the court, and he was just a walking bucket, right? I mean, he could he, he put the ball in the bucket whenever he needed to, but he was such a liability on defense that it was like, is you know, is there any way we can sub, sub this guy out every time we go back down on the floor for defense? So I think that defense is going to be really, really important there. Uh, but my question, my biggest question, is about Dale Bonner. Dale Bonner comes in from Baylor. He was a former Division II. Two, right uh out of mm-hmm. ohio and then he transfers over to barn uh to, to baylor sits behind some nba players so you know it's not like he was on the bench behind nobody uh, but then now he's coming over to ohio state i don't think a lot of people saw it coming i saw the news and i was like wow this is not one that i thought was gonna happen yeah he's from ohio but i didn't i didn't see that connection there to make that happen uh has chris holtman talked about dale bonner and what his role looks like this season at all yeah, I mean, Holtman's Kevin, he's just given a lot of coach speak at this point. Um, he has mentioned Dale Bonner a little bit. I personally, like, this was a huge need for Ohio State in the offseason that I didn't really see anyone acknowledging, but who's going to play backup point guard this year to Bruce Thornton? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they fill that need, and with a guy who his counting stats do not jump off the page, but he has got some incredible per 40 minutes, per possession stats where He's very, very good defensively. He's very, very good at getting a bunch of steals and even blocks and not fouling. He's a really, really good distributor. She shoots the three really, really well. I'm really, really excited for Dale Bonner. There are so many, I mean, there's eight, nine strong on this roster right now. It's hard to be more excited about anyone than the other because you can say, I'm most excited for Zed Key because he shed a bunch of weight. Well, now it's Felix Akpar because he put on weight. Well, then there's Dale Bonner. Like, there's so many players. But Dale Bonner, I mean, he's bouncy. He he can get up and down the court. He can sit down to defend. He was in the passing lanes tonight against Dayton, had a couple steals, uh, distributed the ball well. So Dale Bonner, I'm really, really excited about him. And I could see him and Bruce Thornton on the court at the same time as well. Let's talk about that Dayton game for a minute. I know uh, we're, we're running out of time here a little bit, but you just go ahead and give us your thoughts on that game. What did Chris Holtman show? What did some of the players show? What were your thoughts on that game? Yeah, so my biggest takeaway was Ohio State really did treat that like it was a real dress rehearsal. They they played eight guys for the most part. And outside of that, I mean, you you expected maybe Kalen Etzler to get some more minutes. You expected Colby Ballman to get more minutes. Kalen Etzler came in for like two minutes and then was subbed out. Ballman came in at the very end of the game. So it wasn't like, let's throw an entire roster out there and get them some run. It was, we're treating this like a real game. Ohio State, I think their largest lead may have, maybe have been 12, 13 or so, something like that. But this was a game that was really, really encouraging for a couple reasons. Number one, like I said, Dale Bonner looked really good. Uh, the transfers that they got coming in, Evan Mahaffey from Penn State, he looked really good as well. And I think the Buckeyes, they ran fast. They ran up and down the floor this year. The pace seems like it's going to be faster than it was last year. I think defensively they played well. They did a really, really good job of getting out in passing lanes, putting pressure on Dayton and containing kind of what Dayton was trying to do, although they did shoot pretty well from the field. Concerns that you can take away from an exhibition like this, like, yeah, it is an exhibition, but 
They did not rebound well, especially in the first half against Dayton. They gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. At one point, Dayton had more offensive rebounds than Ohio State had total rebounds. So that's definitely not good. And then you would have liked to see a little bit more from guys like Scotty Middleton, maybe Devin Royal, though you don't have the highest expectations for him. Maybe Zed Key, but I mean, it's one game. It's an exhibition against Dayton. So you've got plenty of time to kind of iron things out. And you especially expect the the freshmen to not really do all that much um, and really get adjusted to the game. You saw that, especially with Devin Royal and and especially with Scotty Middleton when he entered the game. So um, overall, I think Ohio State, it's a solid game. It's a solid win. Um, it's a game they didn't want to lose because Dayton wants a shot at Ohio State. Everyone feels like the little brother in the state of Ohio to Ohio State. It was a sellout crowd. Dayton fans got their hands on tickets before Ohio State could. So you don't want to lose a game like that. It's just a huge blow to momentum. So to go out there, get the win by eight, good for Ohio State. It was a good W tonight for sure. That's good to hear. Good to hear for the Buckeyes. Um, real fast, like 30 minutes to a minute. Give me uh, what are, what's a successful season for Ohio State this year? Yeah, I think a successful season where you can where you can say, yes, this was a successful season for sure. Like, yeah, we're not over the moon, but we can say it's successful is finally get to the Sweet 16 under Chris Holtman. Be fighting for a double buy in the Big Ten tournament in February and in March. Um, and pick a couple, pick up a couple wins in the non-conference. They've got UCLA, they've got Alabama, they've got Texas A&M, they've got potentially Oregon, Santa Clara as well. So if you can pick up two wins out of those, I think you'll feel good about it. So yeah, you're looking for a Sweet 16 appearance. You're looking for competing within the top uh, four or five of the Big Ten, and um, advancing the NCAA tournament is the biggest thing right now for Buckeye fans. All right, got to look for that NCAA tournament Sweet 16 berth for Chris Holtman. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can make it happen. All right, Tim, last one we'll get you on for, and then we'll let you head out of here is Rutgers. Um, Alec it has a new Rutgers Hoop Pod coming soon. Uh, it's not out yet, but keep your eyes out launching for that. Of course, you can find that at Big Banter Sports when it does uh, launch, BigBanterSports.com. Rutgers, they lost a lot to the transfer portal this year. Um, and... Steve Peichel had a really good season last year, but still had a bit of disappointment, right? Um, what What are your thoughts about how they replace some of this talent? And if it was just kind of a, a one year for Steve Peichel, or do you think that this is something that will continue on for them? Yeah, I don't think it's a one year deal for Rutgers. There's a lot of hype right there, right there, right now. Um, Gavin Griffiths, number one recruit in Rutgers history, coming in as a freshman. They've got the number three and potentially the number four recruits in the nation both coming in in the class of 2024. Uh, their non-conference schedule is going to hinder them just like it did last season. They cried over not getting into the NCAA tournament, um, and that they played Sacred Heart, UMass Lowell, because apparently UMass turned them down, Central Connecticut State. I mean, just absolutely rampaging through New England. You're not going to get in the NCAA tournament when you're playing teams like that. Um, but they, they return a lot. I, I think that they've got um, a pretty solid core for sure with a couple of players who can make some Big Ten all-conference teams. Um, I don't think it's a blip in the radar for Rutgers. I think that they're going to be a team within the next couple of years here where Steve Peichel is going to be uh, turning some heads, I think, nationwide, seeing that, oh, Rutgers is a six seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, that's crazy. I think I feel good about Rutgers. Um, less so this season, but especially in the next couple of seasons, I think they'll be really solid. 
Yeah, I think Gavin Griffiths is going to be a huge key this season, not just for him to play well, but for him to show, like, hey, we can bring in top-tier freshmen who can come into this program and make things happen. He was a number 44 recruit in the nation, which is, I mean, that's that's really, really good, especially for Rutgers. Like we, like you said, best recruit in Rutgers history. Uh, so he, he he really needs to be able to, to hit those three-pointers after losing Cam Spencer last year. Uh, he, he's transferred out to another program, but – Bringing Gavin Griffiths in is going to make a huge deal for them. And you're right, this this out-of-conference schedule isn't great. Looking at it here, I mean, Long Island State University – or Long Island, Long Island University, not state. Sorry, uh, that's one that's not huge. They do have Mississippi State, so that's a Power Five. Uh, Wake Forest and Seton Hall, uh, those are both larger programs. So uh, those situations and Georgetown as well. So so those games are better, but still no ranked teams, preseason ranked teams. They're going to have to hope that some of these teams play well enough and they're out of conference that they can get ranked and they can get some of those signature wins uh, that look good in the net rankings. Uh, last year we saw Rutgers they crumbled they missed the tournament last year uh do you have any faith in this squad to make it to march madness this year i think they can there's a difference between can they or will they um i'm not confident enough to say that they will um but again like even you mentioned their schedule and they do have some some power conference opponents but in what world is georgetown going to help you out this year like i I have no reason to believe in them wake forest and seton hall are are probably not going to be ncaa tournament teams so you've got to go beat mississippi state if you don't beat mississippi state then you're gonna have to play really really well in the big 10 and their their big 10 schedule is not easy so can they sure i i you know most teams in the big 10 outside of maybe honestly probably 12 out of 14 teams can make it to the ncaa tournament i i think that minnesota and penn state frankly can't but i think overall yeah like the ruckers can make it they're they're another team that I think can be plucky and can pick up a couple couple of wins, but for me it feels like an NIT team most likely. Yeah, especially with losing Caleb McConnell to graduation, and and it was it was huge that Paul McKay transfers to Washington and Cam Spencer transfers to UConn. I don't know what that says about the culture there. I'm not questioning uh, Steve Peichel or anything like that, saying he's built a bad culture. But that's one of those things where you know it was a disappointing season, but I felt like it went well enough that you could bring those guys back and say, "Hey guys, we can make this happen. We can get to the tournament this year." Um, and, and of course, Cam Spencer went to an obvious tournament team uh, in UConn, who won the national championship last. Last year, but Paul Mulcahy going to Washington, I just didn't really see it. I didn't really understand it. I know there was a lot written about, you know, how it made sense. Uh, but for me, it, it still didn't make a whole lot of sense going from Rutgers to Washington for them. So um, you tell me, who's going to be the focal point of this team this year, Tim? Um, You know, Rutgers, they're such a tough team because it's really, really hard to play through your center. Even in the Big Ten, like, obviously, we, we've seen that. Purdue can do it. So Clifford O, I won't try to pronounce his last name, but Clifford O, like, can you play through him this season? Potentially. Um, can Gavin Griffiths, like, step up and be the guy? Um, Noah Fernandez, like, if he can produce as a shooter, then he's going to have the potential to have the offense run through him. Um, overall, I, I think that you've got a couple guys there who who can produce and and can be the guy. But, again, Rutgers is, is a team that is – similar to maybe a Nebraska where they've got one really, really solid player and then a couple maybe nice support guys and, and you hope that they can put together something. But it, it's it's easier to see them not putting it together this season um, than not. But again, like I, I don't hate Rutgers. I think they can be solid. But 
a team like Northwestern. I'm really, really high on Northwestern. No one is talking about Northwestern, and I can't figure out why. Um, I'll take a team like Northwestern over Rutgers um, any day of the week. So they can be plucky. They could finish ninth in the Big Ten for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the identity of this team changes this season. You know, Cliff Clifford, o, like you said, I think it's Amorye. I might be pronouncing it wrong. Uh, but uh, bringing him back is obviously huge. And then Derek Simpson to come back for his sophomore year. Uh, obviously, that was going to happen. But they need him to turn into somebody his sophomore season, especially with losing who they had. Uh, we'll just see if this identity changes or if it stays kind of this defensive-minded team. Um, normally, when you start bringing in those better recruits, you kind of get away from that and you turn into this team where you do use more skill to really turn into something. Um, but it will be interesting to see if this team really can go away from that. And if Steve Peichel is, you know, flexible enough of a coach to turn into a team that says, Hey, yeah, we have skill. We can make this happen. We can take you down. Um, Tim, just before we get out here, give me your thoughts on Steve Peichel really fast. Are you for him or are you think he's kind of not really there? He's a little bit overrated after last season. Uh, what what are your thoughts on him? I mean, Rutgers buys in like their their tickets, their season tickets are up. They're 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 getting butts in seats every single season, and, and that's increasing. Like it's clear that that people around the program are buying in. And again, like he's getting solid recruits in. I think that by nature of the NIL being existent, Rutgers is taking advantage of that. And good for them doing that. I I I'm in on Steve Peichel. I think that he can be um, a guy who takes Rutgers to the NCAA tournament three of the next four years, and he's heading out to you know to take a a job elsewhere, which is tough when you're Rutgers or Penn State, like they're dealing with with losing Micah Shrewsbury. You're never going to be able to keep your coach forever at a program like that. But I think Rutgers should be really excited about the the future that they have within the next two, three, four years with Steve Peichel. I think so, too. I think that him getting Gavin Griffiths is a huge deal. I just want to see how that progresses with him there. You know, like I said, do they change that identity into something where they are more skilled? At least just a little bit. Not completely in one season, but at least a little bit enough to say we're not just going to be a team that dives on the floor more than you, uh, but we have the skill to really make these things happen. So, all right, we're going to say thanks to Tim for coming in and spending so much time with us. Thanks so much, Tim. Uh, you have a good one, man. And we're going to bring our Illinois guys in here to talk some Illinois basketball. So uh, see you later, Tim, and welcome in Sonny. Sonny, you are here all the time, and Brant, to talk about some Illinois basketball. So our Java Men podcast is the podcast for Illinois basketball. They can't be here, but of course, Sonny is all things knowing of all things Illinois <laughs> sports. So, <laughs> so Sonny, um, I just want to go ahead and get your opinion on uh, Illinois starting out this season. Uh, what what does Brad Underwood need to do to get over the hump this season and really turn Illinois into this uh, consistently respectable team in the Big Ten? Uh, I mean, I think they've reached the point of being consistently respectable. But yeah, that probably wasn't they, the right word. My bad, but you know what I mean. I, I get what you're saying. Um, it seems like every year Illinois is burdened with some kind of storyline, some kind of you know issues uh, team-wise. And I think Brad's kind of adjusted his strategy to begin with. Um, his philosophy has always been get old, stay old. And uh, this year's team in particular – um, has a lot of uh, transfers coming in who have had a lot of, uh, you know, starting experience at other programs. Um, 
Marcus Damask, uh, Quincy, uh, Quincy Guerrier, you know, guys who have played a lot. And I think, you know, he's trying to make that adjustment. Like last year we had a lot of freshmen and freshmen, they tend to have growing pains. You know, Brad Underwood is, has been, I would say the best recruiter in the big 10 over the last five years or so, but, and the results have shown on the court, you know, we've won the conference. We've, uh, you know, done pretty well in the conference tournament. Unfortunately, it hasn't uh, carried over to the actual national tournament yet. And that's kind of where I think Brad Underwood is kind of shifting his focus. Um, from what I gathered and observed last year, I don't think winning the conference is nearly as important to him anymore. Mm. Um, you know, he doesn't mind, you know, just there's no more foot into the neck type of uh, urgency anymore. Like, uh, I think he knows that his reputation is now going to either go up or down based on if he can make it to that second weekend uh, in March. Interesting. Interesting. Brent, what are your thoughts on Brad Underwood getting over the hump this year? Yeah. I mean, for me, he just hasn't shown it. Like, like Sonny mentioned, Illinois has been a pretty consistent thorn and the rest of the big 10 side, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll finish top four in the conference pretty consistently. Uh, they, they have a lot of continuity year over year, typically, uh, that helps a lot with that, but in the tournament, they've just been upset year after year. And I, I, there's nothing about this year's team that makes me think it's any different. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I know, uh, you know, big 10 media, super high on Terrence Shannon jr. A lot of other people are Brant, You had him second in your guard rankings. Uh, I, I think Coleman Hawkins is a player that I would much more rely upon. I think that he has a good skill set. I think that he has a really interesting body size for what you can do with him. He can be utilized in a lot of different ways. Uh, but they both, you know, they both are obviously good players. Um, does either guy get drafted in the first round of the NBA this year, Sonny? What do you think? Uh, I, each has different things that they need to work on. Um, they both went to the NBA workouts uh, over summer and, you know, they got some valuable feedback from the scouts on what they need to kind of um, work on to be able to make it to the next level. Um, Coleman Hawkins has been very open about how the teams have told him to um, get a quicker shot release and be able to make that three. Um, he's a pretty high IQ basketball player who makes dumb mistakes. And I know that contradicts each other, but that, that's the only way I can uh, describe it. He's got great floor vision. You know, he really reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, being outside Chicago, like a, like a Joakim Noah type of player. You know, he's got, uh, you give him the ball at the high point, he can make the pass, he can find the cutter. Um, so for him, it's just more about the consistency. Um, if he can make that three pointer, then I think he can get drafted first round. I'm not so sure. I don't know if he's ever going. I don't think he has a high ceiling per se. I think he can find a niche in the NBA. Um, Terrence Shannon, like he's got an NBA body. You look at him, he looks like an NBA player. Um, with him, like his uh, catch and shoot rate came down a little bit this past year, which is uh, one of the things that led to our struggling um, with shooting to begin with. Um, with him, he's very predominantly left-handed. He loves to go left and the defenses, especially big 10 defenses, you know, figured that out um, pretty early in the season. So for her, for him, it's kind of similar. He's got to figure out, you know, uh, to develop a more all around game. He's a great scorer. He's, you know, a very aggressive player, but I think this team in order for it to reach its potential is going to need him to 
fill the void of the leader of the team. We already know he's the best player, but sometimes last year you saw him take a backseat to a Matthew Meyer, uh, you know, other players, whereas against Terrence, you are a best player. He's got to, you know, take the ball, you know, uh, take it to the hoop and just kind of energize the rest of the team. And, you know, um, again, he's got the size. For him, it's just scoring. And if Illinois does well in the tournament, it's going to be because of him. And his name is going to be, you know, talked about a lot, which was only going to help his uh, draft status. Yeah, I think that's really important for him to be the guy this season. Matthew Meyer, um, you know, I think I was kind of out on him when I heard about the whole monster incident and in the staying up at night and everything. It's like, that's not, you're not a leader, dude. You, right. you, you have to be better than that if you're going to be a leader. And Terrence Shannon obviously needs to really turn into that guy. Uh, Brant, are you high on Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman Hawkins this year? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say high on Taryn Shannon, not as high on Coleman Hawkins. Um, and it really goes to back to what Sonny was saying about when I watch Coleman Hawkins, I see a guy who he makes very flashy plays and he makes very big mistakes. And that's when it comes down to it in the tournament. You can't be making mistakes like that and expect to win the game. Um, you've got to really limit mistakes, limit turnovers. Um, so for me, and Shannon, it's kind of the same way. Like he's, like you mentioned, JR, he's had some huge games where he just takes over and wins the game. And he's had other games where he just completely disappears. Um, so for me, both these guys, they're fourth and fifth year seniors for a reason. They haven't gone to the NBA because they're not complete players. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I like the, the NBA draft, they don't like to take players that are, you know, that have been in college for four or five years. They like to take more raw prospects. So even if they kind of do round out their game a bit, I still don't see either of them being first round picks, but I mean, they're both probably gone after this year. I mean, Shannon is going to be out of eligibility. Hawkins. I'm not sure if he has a COVID year, but he's probably off to the league as well. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts on, on their Illinois big two. Yeah, I think you're, you make a really good point there about the NBA draft and what they look for. If you would have asked me last year if a guy like Bryce Sinsabaugh would have been first-round talent, I would have said no way. But he is that he was that raw player that the NBA likes, and that's what Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman Hawkins have working against them is, is they're older, and it's not so much the raw talent. They kind of have a niche that they fit into, uh, and, and it's hard to build off of that. Uh, Sonny, real fast before we get out of here, what's your uh, season prediction looking like for Illinois this season? Uh, I have Purdue number one, Michigan State number two. I think it's going to be between Maryland and Illinois for the third spot. Um, alluding to my point earlier where I, I don't think Brad Underwood um, cares as much for the regular uh, season as much as you know the uh, postseason. I'm going to say there's going to be more urgency on the Maryland side. So I'll say, uh, you know, we'll finish fourth in the conference this year, but we have a ceiling in the sense of where we can absolutely win the conference too. But more importantly, I think uh, this year we finally are able to uh, break that wall and uh, make it to the second weekend. Yeah, super important to make that happen. So, all right. Hey, Sonny, thanks for joining us here. We appreciate you. Uh, We're going to let you get out of here. And Brant and I, the two Ohio State guys, are going to talk some Michigan basketball because, hey, Victor's Nation isn't here, all right? So same thing with the Northwestern situation. Uh, We can talk all the crap we want to talk about you because you're not here. So, uh, no, we'll be fair. We'll talk about Michigan and and who they are this season. But if you do want to hear more about Michigan basketball, head on over to Victor's Nation uh, and find them there. They have a large Facebook group. I know that you 
you can find all their information about there. Uh, and then also their podcast uh, on YouTube and those different areas as well. BigBanterSports.com. Find them, Victor Nation, over there. All right, Brant, uh, I think the biggest storyline going on this season with Michigan is Juwan Howard, right? Now, obviously, he had surgery, and and uh, we've heard that he's okay, and then he'll be making it back soon. So that's really, really good. Uh, prayers up for him. Hope he does well uh, and recovers. But you tell me, Juwan Howard, he, he's kind of on the hot seat this season after making the Sweet 16 just a couple of years ago. Uh, what is it about who he is that's kind of put him on the hot seat? And is he warranted to be on the hot seat? Yeah, first off, just want to say I'm glad that he seems to be doing better after his surgery. Um, always good to hear good things coming out of that. For sure. But as far as him as a coach, he has kind of regressed every year since being at Michigan. And kind of as he's filtered out of Beeline's players and into his players, um, they just haven't defended as hard and haven't really won the games they maybe were supposed to win. So in my opinion, it really seems like Michigan has to take a step forward this year or else his seat gets even hotter. I think they maybe give him one more year after this year um, to maybe turn it around. But his seat is definitely warming up, especially after missing the tournament uh, with the team you had last year with Hunter Dickinson and all those guys. Right, for sure. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, this year with how he develops his players. Of course, he stole George Washington III uh, from Ohio State. George Washington III was at once committed to Ohio State. Now that one of the situations where he could have decommitted because Chris Holtman asked him to or something. So we don't know for sure, but he is a top 100 player in the uh, recruiting rankings and one that I was personally excited about to come to Ohio state, but they do lose Hunter Dickinson uh, to Kansas. So that's going to be a huge loss for them. Uh, They don't have Jet Howard. Kobe Bufkin is gone. I mean, is this a team where they can really become uh maybe a contender or at least a mid-tier team in the big 10 that can get to the ncaa tournament i mean in my eyes and this may be me with my butt high glasses on but i don't i don't see this team not being a bottom four team in the big 10 this year Uh, i just don't think they have the firepower at really any position Um, after losing hunter dickinson that was a team that made the nit and kind of got bounced early in in the nit with an all-american type of player with and hunter dickinson they replace him with Olivier Kwamwa from Tennessee, who he's been a scrappy guy. He honestly fits Big Ten basketball perfectly and what what all the teams do here. But he's not Hunter Dickinson offensively. And then uh, they've got a bunch of like, you know, role players coming back. Uh, Jalen Llewellyn's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. He tore his ACL before the season last year uh, coming out of Princeton and uh, was able to get that extra year um, met with the medical redshirt last year. So he's a guy who could maybe provide some scoring for them, but I'm not sure where they're going to look to, to score the ball after losing Dickinson. Um, maybe Doug McDaniel and Jet Howard as well. It's a massive loss. Maybe Doug McDaniel turns it up a notch, but aside from that, like you look at the roster and you don't really see anybody that, that pops out on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, that's kind of my concern with them is Jalen Llewellyn really needs to be that guy this season. There was a lot of good good vibes and, and a lot of positivity about Caleb Love coming over. I think that is one of the biggest stories of the offseason that he wasn't able to come over because of the academic standards at Michigan. Uh, and I know that that's something that Michigan fans like to boast, uh, but at, at the end of the day, that did bite him in the butt there. I mean, that that really stinks for them that weren't they weren't able to get him because I do think that Jawan Howard this 
this year was focusing more on actually putting a roster together. Uh, we talked about this with Derek from Victor's Nation on uh, the Buckeye Huddle, one of our basketball podcasts a week, couple weeks ago. But, um, you know, that's really what Jawan Howard is struggling with is putting that roster together. It's really, really interesting because I feel like some of the things that Jawan Howard has struggled with are some of the things that Ryan Day, the Ohio State football coach, has struggled with at the same time. Now, obviously, Jawan Howard's not had the same success Ryan Day has had, so I'm not trying to say they're comparable there. But uh, I do think that um, putting this team together is the hard, hard thing to do for him because they have a lot of talent. They have players who can make great plays, but uh, getting those players to play together, to play as one unit is really the most difficult thing uh, for Juwan Howard to get them to do. So uh, yeah, Olivier is going to be huge, Doug McDaniels. And then, at, like I said at the beginning, Jalen Llewellyn has got to be the guy that people hoped he was. Uh, there's not a whole lot of time for him. Uh, he tore his ACL like you said last year. I think he did play a couple of games last year, but still not very much at all. And he wasn't impressive when he did play last year. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, Michigan fans were upset about that. So I personally, I think Jalen Llewellyn can be really, really good. I think that Juwan Howard just needs to set him up for success. Um, and I think that's something that Juwan Howard has been addressing this off season. So we'll see if it can happen. We'll see how much um, that, that will go from there. Do you have any thoughts about George Washington the third or any of their freshmen coming in like that, Brant? Yeah, I mean, George Washington's the one guy who sticks out because like you mentioned, he was an Ohio State commit. And it seems like right around the time when uh, Tyson Chapman was leaning towards committing here, then George Washington kind of decommitted and Chapman committed real quickly. So you do have to wonder if it's a, a scenario where maybe we told him that Chapman was coming and maybe it'd be best for him to explore other options to maybe get on the court uh, quicker. Um, but I, I still think he's a very good player. Obviously, he was a top 100 recruit. Uh, from the state of Ohio. So it always sings when Michigan gets a guy like that um, out of our state. And I, I I do think he's a guy that can step in and produce, but you don't really see freshmen that often come in and make that big of an impact to the point where they're carrying teams. And that's 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 what Michigan's looking for right now. And I, I don't think Washington can do that. I don't think any of their freshmen can do that. It's really going to have to be Llewellyn, like you said. And I don't even know if he can do that. Yeah, that's the hardest thing. When you have a freshman-led team, and, and, and you know North Carolina, Duke, uh, Kentucky, Kansas, they dealt with this for years, uh, so they're kind of a little bit more used to it. Uh, but yeah, when you bring that freshman in to really be that guy, uh, they, it, that doesn't mean they're not going to have freshman mistakes. And obviously, those will come to bite the team in the butt. So uh, if Michigan is one of those teams this year where I could see them finishing fifth, I could see them finishing sixth. That's kind of like their ceiling in my mind. But at the same time, I could also see them being down at 10th or 11th um i think that up near uh fifth or sixth is a little bit less likely i'm not trying to dog michigan here um but it just to me it's going to be juan howard he's going to be the key did he put a team together can he put those guys in the right situations to make the right things happen uh it'll be really really interesting to find out you got any more final thoughts on michigan before we uh finish up with them brant uh, that's about it. Um, I did want to say Jason, uh, from the Victor's nation left me a note. He just wanted to make sure that it was mentioned that he just feels that, I mean, and I kind of brought this up a little earlier, but he just feels that Jawan has taken a step back without beelines players and that they have not defended the way that they, um, have in the past. So it's really on the defensive side of the ball where he wants to see him take a step forward this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if if Jawan is able to coach him up in that regard. 
over under one uh, punches this year? I mean, I'm gonna as a Buckeye fan, I'm gonna have to pound the the over, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Sorry, Michigan fans, that was a joke. All right, calm down. Don't get don't come for me. All right, uh, let's just talk about national college basketball altogether. Me and you to end it out here, Brant. Um, you know, what are some teams that you're looking at for potential one seeds this season? Yeah, I mean, looking at kind of the top of the college basketball landscape for me. I mean, looking at the AP poll, I can't disagree with the top four teams in that in those rankings right now. Um, you've got Kansas and Duke kind of at the top, and just with the, what they're returning. I mean, typical Duke teams, it's you kind of got a lot of freshmen and then maybe some senior role players, but these guys are returning some sophomores who were really high recruits, um, and with NIL maybe kind of changing the game and swaying that decision a bit i think duke is a very very dangerous team with kyle filipowski tyrese proctor mark mitchell all these guys back in the fold this year along with jeremy roaches his senior ryan young a former northwestern guy who's super scrappy Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of obviously you get your typical duke uh, freshman class in there as well Uh, this is a loaded team that is going to be an absolute handful Uh, purdue and michigan state as well being at the top uh, i think it's very very deserving of these two teams just with what they're returning as well i i can't see i i can see a world where they both enter uh, march as one seeds Mm -hmm. and then kansas just picking up hunter dickinson and adding him to those uh veteran guards with mcculler and dewan harris i mean those are guys that have been around college basketball for such a long time and they've had a lot of success at kansas and mcculler at texas tech um and then also adding Nick Timberlake, who's a guy that can really knock down shots from Towson. Uh, their team is going to be um, definitely a pain for opponents. And Marquette is in there at fifth. They're another team who I think is really, really dangerous. Returning Tyler Kolick, the Big East player of the year last year. And then a bunch of really great role players around him. David Joplin was the, I think he may have been the sixth man of the year in, in, the, in the Big East. And I think he's going to take a massive step forward as well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Marquette was one team I was really high on last year because of Tyler Kolick. And so I do think that's a team that definitely is going to contend for a one seed. Uh, but I, I got to be honest, man, I said it earlier, I, I'm not as high on Michigan State as some other people are. I think they're going to probably finish second or third in the Big Ten. Don't get me wrong. But I think in terms of finishing with a one seed, I just don't see it happening. I think they're going to get beat up in the Big Ten too much, and they really don't have that guy inside that can really uh, bang and contend in the at the boards. Because even though this is turning into more of a guard league uh, and more of a small forward kind of league, um, I do think that there are some really talented big men there. Zach Eady, Cliff Amorier, a lot of guys like that that can really give Xavier Booker a hard time down there. Um, and, and also, they're going to have a hard time with Indiana. with If Kalel Ware can turn into... Uh, who he's supposed to be, like I was talking about with Burke earlier, then that's going to be a really, really hard big man for him to take care of. So I'm high on Xavier Booker. I think Xavier Booker is really good, uh, but I'm just not sure if he can put it together for the entire season to be that one seed, like I'm confident Zach E will uh, in those things. So I think if I had to put four together right now, uh, it'd be Purdue, 
I think they're going to be either the one or, or or a two seed, but I think they'll be a one seed. I think Kansas, Hunter Dickinson, Bill Self, he has another great team coming back. Uh, I actually think UConn could could do some damage again, uh, bringing Cam Spencer over and having uh, s- some of those guys back from last year's team is going to be huge. <clears throat> and then uh, it really comes down to me because we always have one of those like smaller school teams. I know they're in the Big 12 now, so maybe they're not as much a smaller school, but uh, Houston and Gonzaga, I think they're going to kind of contend for a one seed uh, there. I think Gonzaga had a bit of a disappointing season last year, uh, but they've brought in some guys from the transfer portal that I think are going to be really, really important for them. Um, if you had to pick a team to make it to the final four this year and represent the big 10 Brant, who do you see that to be? Yeah, well, you're not going to like this because you were just dogging them, but I'm going to pick the Spartans, Michigan state. Um, you were talking about Xavier Booker, maybe not being able to contend with some of the other big men in the big 10. And in my opinion, I don't think Xavier Booker is really going to play that many minutes this year because mm-hmm. I've heard he is more of a raw prospect. And I just think Michigan State returns a ton. I think Sissoka is going to be getting a lot of those minutes down low. And maybe he doesn't bring the offensive firepower that maybe Booker or some of the other big guys in the Big or Ten. Or Hauser did last year. Yeah, no, he's no Joey Hauser offensively at all. But yeah. I still, I think defensively, he he can he can kind of hang with those guys, uh, hang with the Zach Edies, hang with, uh, I mean, no Trace Jackson Davis this year, but some of those bigger guys. Um, so I, I think he's going to bring it on the defensive end. And maybe offensively, um, they've got to find a guy who can bang it down low. But I think the guard play is just miles ahead of anybody else in the Big Ten. Um, I know AJ Hogard; people like him, people people hate him. Um, but I think I think he's kind of the what you want at, at point guard in the Big Ten. He can defend. Uh, he's a great distributor. Maybe he doesn't knock down shots like that, but that's not really his role. Um, he he gets guys open. He gets Jay Nakins open on the on the wing, and he can knock down some shots. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big fan of their guard play. They played uh, neck and neck with Kansas State, who made a deep run. And they play Kansas State kind of plays that style that you need in Marsh, kind of space the floor, knock down shots. Um, so, yeah, I, it's going to be Michigan State for me. It's going to be my pick to, to make a Final Four run for the Big Ten. Yeah, this might surprise you, but honestly, Michigan State is my pick as well. So I know it sounds like I'm down on Michigan State. I'm down on Michigan State to be a one seed. I'm not down on Tom Izzo making it happen in the NCAA tournament. I think Tom Izzo is the best Big Ten coach in the NCAA tournament. Um, a lot of teams like Jordan and Russ and Frank were talking about uh, have not had that consistent success in the tournament, and Tom Izzo has had success. Maybe it's not been as consistent as some fans would like, uh, but he has had that success of making deeper runs in the tournament. Uh, and so even though I can see Michigan State more as maybe a three or four seed, I could see them being that team that people kind of look over and they're like, oh, it's Michigan State. They didn't have a great season. Uh, but it was because of Big Ten play that maybe they didn't have as good of a season. Not saying they're going to finish, you know, fifth or sixth or anything like that, but second or third. And I, I could see another Big Ten year where, uh, you know, you're a game or two out from second to ninth <laughs> and making that happen. So, uh, but I but I do agree. I think Michigan State is going to make a really really uh, uh, good run in the tournament this year as long as they stay healthy and put everything together. Um, I mean, I feel like we have to talk about it. Purdue. Can they make uh, what happened with Virginia uh, a couple years ago, losing to a 16 seed, go, 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 looking, losing to a 16 seed, going and winning the national championship? Do we see Matt Painter fixing the issues and really making a run in the tournament? 
Yeah, for me. So every single year when I fill out my March Madness bracket, I make sure I have Purdue losing within the first round or if not if not the second round, if they're like a one Z play in the sixteen. Like I, I didn't pick Fairly Dickinson over them, but I did have him out in the next round to I think it was Memphis or FAU. Um and every year I just I mean, they're they're built to play Big Ten basketball. They're not built to play March basketball. Mm-hmm. But they did have that one year where Carson Edwards just went insane. They made a pretty deep run. I think they ended up losing to Virginia, and that was when Virginia ended up making that um, crazy title run. Right. But um, so yeah, that's a, that's the thing with Purdue this year is it's all going to come down to how do their guards respond after you know they were just freshmen last year, but they ultimately could not handle the pressure uh, down the stretch when when teams kind of figure out that's how you beat Purdue. You put pressure on their guards they're going to succumb to the pressure and they're going to turn the ball over. They're not going to be able to get it into Zach Eady. Um, But this year, I mean, these guys were just freshmen last year. They were making pressure mistakes left and right. Uh, They were both two very talented recruits and you saw their flashes last year. Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer uh, both had some, some shining moments um, mixed in with their struggles. But I think if they can put it together this year, I think Purdue can really make a run in March. Yeah, it's going to be super important for Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer to be those guys handling the ball and making sure that it's not just Zach Eady on offense. And I know it wasn't just him last year. I think that gets overstated too much. Uh, but it definitely uh, did seem like a completely different team when Zach Eady wasn't getting his. He kind of made that happen for the other guys to be able to get theirs. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Matt Painter addresses that. I do want to give a shout out uh, to to Maryland. I think Maryland is going to be a better team than what some people realize this season. Uh, They got 34 votes for the AP poll, which would make them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 30th in terms of the AP poll stuff. So they are thought of up there. Um, But I really, really like GHS and I really like Jameer Young. I think this is going to be a good duo for both of them. Jameer Young is going to help GHS really come into the season and be who needs to be and I think Frank made a lot of good points earlier about uh, this Maryland team being who they need to be with not just relying on Jameer Young to do everything but actually having a compliment team we see this sometimes with coaches earlier in the career at a school where they find a good player and they just run everything through them because they know hey this guy can take us where we need to go and then they get somebody around that guy to help him be better uh, because he doesn't have to be the only option Uh, am am I off base on that what are you thinking about Maryland this season, Brent? Yeah, I don't think so at all. I think that's very accurate. I'm pretty high on Maryland going into the season as well. Um, yeah, Deshaun Harris-Smith is my number one rated freshman in the Big Ten this year. I think he's a very dynamic guard. And you pair that with Jameer Young, a guy who has already proven that he can play in the Big Ten at a high level. Um, that's a really good backcourt. And then you've got guys, Dante Scott and Julian Reese on the inside. You can really pound with the, um, all, the, all the bigs that you got to contend with in the Big Ten. Um, it's it's a complete team, and I, I think they really have it there to not only uh, play really well in the Big Ten, but also potentially even put it together in March. I think I said GHS earlier. I'm sorry. I meant DHS. I don't know why I said uh, G there. My bad. Uh, before we get out of here, Brant, uh, maybe looking outside the Big Ten, uh, put your uh, kind of national glasses on here for a minute. Who's some of those sleeper teams uh, across the nation that you think we need to keep our eyes on? Maybe they aren't ranked now, but they could really be ranked later, kind of like a Purdue last year. Obviously, maybe not to that success level, but uh, teams that aren't ranked that could find themselves pretty high in the rankings middle to the end of the season. Yeah, I'll start us off with, I know we want to look outside the Big Ten, so just real quick, I'll give us two quick um, hits within the Big Ten that I think kind of fit that mold. 
Ohio State, and I know I, maybe I'm biased. I'm an Ohio State fan. You got some wishful but, thinking there, Brett. <laughs> but I, I think they've got the pieces. I think they've got the pieces to put it together. Um, I do believe in Chris Holtman. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. And then Wisconsin, I know we've talked about them on the show too. But um, I just think it takes one of those guards, Hepburn or Asijan, to become the go-to guy. And they've got the pieces to, to really put it together and kind of um, become one of the top 25 teams. Looking outside of the conference, Villanova is one I've got my eyes on. Um, I know Neptune's uh, first season did not really go as planned. It, it, it's not Jay Wright. It's not even a Jay Wright team that we're looking at. But I think that Kyle Neptune put in some good work in the transfer portal. Um, Hakeem Hart, former Maryland guard, is a great 3-and-D guy. Tyler Burton is a guy I loved at Richmond. And then TJ Bamba, a uh, really electric player from out of Washington State. So I think that trio can maybe make Villanova I mean, the Big East is going to be really, really tough this year, but I think they can uh, keep it alive with this team they got. Um, and then looking kind of at the the lower conferences, so we saw uh, a Final Four with Florida Atlantic and San Diego State last year. A team that I want to peg to keep eyes on is New Mexico. Mm. Um, they've got some really good guards. Jamal Mashburn, a, another Big Ten alumni there, coming out of Minnesota. And then Jalen House. Um, so these two guys, they just went crazy last year. Um, insane scoring. I think they both were around 20 points per game. Um, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Then they added in Jamaro Baker, who has been playing college b- basketball since 2017, uh, was was initially at Kentucky. And then Nelly Jr. Joseph, who's just a big man, who's a menace in the paint out of Iona. I think it's a really dangerous team right out there um, in the desert. Yeah, speaking of Iona, uh, with uh, uh, Rick Pitino going to um... – St. John's. I think St. John's is a team you have to keep an eye on this year. Not necessarily because I think their talent is great, but just anytime you have Patino there, I mean, you have to you have, you have to be wary of what they can do. Um, even though he is getting older up there in years, he's still and, and I know a lot of people don't like him. I'm not really a fan of him either, but you know, he's still a coach that can get it done. Uh, and one you always have to look for. Uh, if I had to look at some of those maybe non-power teams that you were talking about, uh, I think Drake is one to look at this year. I think that they can really make uh, a whole lot of noise um obviously san diego state and florida atlantic those have you know really good coaches and some good players coming back and making that happen uh it was kind of astounding how many of those players they were able to keep uh and then memphis as well you know uh, check on memphis and what they can do uh going into that and then if i had to pick a sleeper team that's not really getting much love not really being looked at a lot i don't even think they got a single vote for the um for the ap poll um is BYU. BYU is one that I think, you know, they could make something happen. BYU is one of those sneaky teams. They're in the Big 12 now. That's a really good conference, uh, but I would not be surprised if they could make something happen. The Big 12 kind of come in as maybe an eight or nine seed in the tournament, uh, maybe, you know, win that first game and then give a good game to the first seed. So uh, might be a little off base there, but that's just one I'm thinking that maybe some people don't have their eyes on. So Brent, any more thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, nothing much for me. I actually don't know too much about BYU this year, but they they are a team who in the past in the WCC the past two years, um, they've knocked off Gonzaga a few times. They've yep. made the tournament a few times. So yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to watch them in Houston uh, and some of these other teams transition into the Big 12. Uh, that's going to be a really fun conference to watch this year as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Big 12 plays out. And I could be completely off base. BYU could get in there and be like, oh, wow, Big 12 basketball. This is way harder. 
<laughs> than it was before. Uh, but that's just one to keep my eye on. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Brant, th- thanks so much for coming in and joining us. Really appreciate everybody getting together and making this happen. Uh, like I said, check out Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com for all of your Big Ten media needs. And uh, we'll see you during the season.